Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com. Joining me this week, I have Chelsea Wilkerson. How you doing, Chelsea? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. So we just most recently hung out at PAX South a couple weeks ago. Um, we did. Thank you again for being our host. Yeah, it was, it was a, very thoughtful. It was a grand old time. Uh, always, always good getting to see you and David, who I met last year at RTX. Um, yes, very briefly. So this was nice to actually hang out more and get to know each other a little better. Indeed. So for people who don't know you, uh, go ahead and give yourself the little rundown of who you are, where they can find you on the internet, plug anything you want to plug. Sure. Okay. Um, basically, I know you through the kind of funny community. I think that's where a lot of us know each other. Um, I just started on YouTube, so I won't plug that yet. I'm still dabbling in that. Hopefully that'll go a little longer than um, I keep thinking it will, but it's going pretty well so far. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Chell Sandwich, so C-H-E-L-S-A-N-D-W-I-C-H, Chell Sandwich, that is me. I say weird things, I'm known for being a bit crass and inappropriate, and I'm also on the Something Games on the Table podcast with Joe Ruffler, Frank Bazzani, David Wilkerson, and sometimes um, Christian Puente. Excellent. That's that's a bit about me. I will have links to all that stuff in the description. (laughs) Great, thank you. Uh, and and your your other project, if you end up wanting me to put that in in there as well. Sure, I'm still um, so unsure about it, but um, it's going well. So <laughs> I should probably be a little prouder than I am. But cool. Um, for those who don't know about uh, Trove Talk, this is a, uh, a as I said, the top gaming and getting to know you show. We kind of break out the show four topics. Um, they go live day by day on YouTube, uh, with the full show going up on YouTube and SoundCloud podcasts at the end of the week. And uh, the format is always the this, this same, mostly. Um, topic one, we'll dive into my guest's gaming history. Topic two, we will dive into their favorite game. Topic three is the getting to know you topic, where we talk about something completely outside of the gaming sphere. And then topic four, we round out with community questions uh, in a segment known as Trove Topics. Uh, so without further ado, Chelsea, let's dive into your gaming history. Where did it all begin for you? It all began with, um, my parents were separated, so it was the whole, like, back and forth visiting. And two Christmases. My dad, yeah, two Christmases, weird visits all the time, and my dad played in the CFL, which is the Canadian version of the NFL, which also kind of just sounds made up and doesn't make any sense, but it exists. And since he was traveling a lot for that, um, he wasn't really around much when I was a little kid, so when I was six... Um, he got me an N64. And he was like, I can't be here for you, but this can. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Thank you so Parenting much. Parenting through N64. Excellent. Exactly. He's like, I heard kids love TV. So that was my first console. And my first three games were Tarzan, Toy Story, and Mario 64. And I still love all of them. Mario 64, probably the most frustrated I've ever been as a child at the age of six. Because it was a lot of, like, jump perfectly, had to hit the perfect point, which I wasn't the brightest six-year-old. I don't know who would be, but I wasn't that one. Uh, Toy Story was a great game. Um, it was just like the movie. So for as a kid, it was one of my favorite movies. And just playing through that was, as a kid, that, like, blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is, like, a universe that I love. This is the coolest thing. I'm in it now. And as a little kid, like, that just blew me away. 
Um, after that, it kind of always was one parent like competing with the other, of like, oh, who can get her a console or a game? So I ended up getting, I think the first thing after that was a GameCube, still with my parents only understanding Nintendo, which I feel like that's a common theme of a lot of parents. Like, I don't know about that PlayStation business. Yeah, but they this were Nintendo. They they seem like nice people. Yeah, Nintendo was the first one, so like every system just became a Nintendo. Um, yes. Just like you know, it it's the brand that people know. Just like you know, bath tissue is always Kleenex, regardless yeah. of what you're looking. Or even at, my so. mom, she saw the Assassin's Creed movie was coming out, and she's like, "Oh, that's one of your Nintendos." I'm like, "You're right. Yep, that's I... the one." <laughs> Assassin's they, Creed on the Nintendo. They, they had a few games on their Nintendo. On on yeah, assorted was... Nintendos. <laughs> On the old Nintendo. Yeah, and from there it was... Yeah, it definitely went N64, GameCube, Wii, and then the PlayStation started coming in. Where my mom just... Like, a friend was selling... I think it was a PS2 at the time for 100 bucks with, like, 30 games. And the only game that caught my eye was this one with all these Disney characters on it. Because I'm like, I'm familiar with this. And it was Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> And I I read that it was Kingdom Hearts 2, but I didn't know it was a sequel to anything. I should have assumed that, seeing as there was a 2 involved. I mean, to be fair, they've gotten really <laughs> weird with their numbering conventions anyway, so yeah, it would not sucked. surprise me if Square Enix at some point came out with a game that had 2 in it, regardless of uh, there never existing a prior game. Yeah, so I put that in, and I played that probably for the next 6 months, like every day, it blew me away that this existed. I was like, there's these people with anime hair, and then Mickey, and there's the Lion King. So why do any other games exist? Because this is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> the beginning was really confusing, though. I was like, oh, there's this chick named Namine, and I just fell from the sky, and there's this kid named Sora, and I don't really know what's going on. But Having played the really first exciting. one, it was still really confusing, so don't worry about that. Yes. Because then when I went back to the first one, I was like, I'm piecing this all together, but Maleficent is a sucky dragon, and I don't want to fight her, because this is really hard. And it was, like, the, the hardest boss battle I'd ever done. But I got through it. But, I don't know, Kingdom Hearts 2, I was the person where it took me, like, three hours to get through the beginning, so I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I had to collect all this money, and then I found out you lose the money. So that was annoying, because I was like, oh, with every game, I try and get as much money at the beginning as possible so I can buy whatever I want. Not realizing no matter how much you get, you lose it all anyways. So that was yeah. fun. That was a good, the good first frustration in gaming, maybe, on, the, on a, like a PlayStation console. And then from there, I kind of just didn't stop. Uh, my dad got me a PS3 the day it came out. I started playing Assassin's Creed, and that was another favorite franchise of mine. Not for the show, but I, I still love them, even though there's been some... Uh, uh, on the latest ones but that was really when I got into PlayStation was playing that I started playing Call of Duty because it was a great way to interact with people without going outside and spending money because <laughs> <laughs> nice. I could just I could just do it from the comfort of my home and sit there and be angry um, is where I learned to be kind of like a be proud of being a female gamer because people would always be like, oh, hey, 14-year-old boy, you should go to bed. And I'd be like, listen here, buddy, I'm 19, I'm a girl, I'm going to kick your ass. So I would do like 1v1, and I would kill people, and it was always really nice. Um, I actually got really good at Black Ops 2. I was part of a clan, 
that clan then flew me to Illinois, and we all hung out and had a LAN party, and we competed in, like, little online tournaments together, and my clan made up, was made up of, like, a 50-year-old dad and his 12-year-old son and so another kid. So we all met up at a house and actually played Black Ops 2 together, and that was one of the first times I went to the States was like, oh, mom, I found these people on the internet who like to shoot people and I'm gonna go hang out with them. It's gonna be really cool. She was like, well, okay, that's that's fine. I mean, don't die. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> yeah, she's that's, like, is it your boyfriend? I'm like, no, I don't, they're just really cool older dudes who like to play shooting they, games and they, I like it. They just want to fly a young woman out to uh, a foreign city. <laughs> that's Yeah, nothing, I'm gonna hang out in their basement. There. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> So that's like one of my fondest memories was just, uh, I'd kind of like all through high school I played games and I was a gamer with my friends. It was always usually like Call of Duty, um, a little bit of Halo at a friend's house. I've still never had an Xbox. But I, uh, I went through like a nasty breakup when I was 20. So I just moved out on my own. My friends kind of after the six years stayed with the X. So Black Ops was really where I just became more of a gamer and dedicated myself to gaming and it was a way for me to speak to people online and hang out and that was sort of my going out was playing black ops 2 with people and through that i started doing like more online games i even dabbled in like wow for a bit just to talk to people so gaming was it was never like the gamer you think of where you're like a recluse i, I used it as a way to meet other people and even through that that's how i found out about rooster teeth and through Rooster Teeth, I found out about Kind of Funny. And gaming kind of led me to where I am today, where I've met all these people through gaming, either in the video game or at a gaming convention like, like Montreal Comic Con. And now I've gone to my first PAX. And I've, I made friends at PAX with a streamer and people in the community. And it's just, it's been so rewarding to meet people either in game or because of a game. It's, I've, I've never been happier and more thankful that this industry exists because i've met a lot of people through this awesome yeah that, that's that's very uh antithetical to like my own gaming experience where yeah uh i almost never play online games and i've been in maybe i could probably count on like two hands the number of party chats i've been in and it's all been in like the last year or two um uh thanks to like the kind of funny community certainly sure um uh let's uh take a step back um uh, we rushed through one of the anytime Assassin's Creed comes up I'm always curious um, uh, what are some of your, your favorite Assassin's Creed's what are some of the ones that, that missed for you um, what's like what's your Assassin's Creed story the whole Ezio story is incredible to me it's one of the few games where you get him from baby to old man you feel like you were there there's not one of those games I don't like that whole like trilogy in and of itself is beautiful to me. Um, Brotherhood would probably be my favorite because I really liked initiating all my little assassins into my group, cutting their fingers off, pushing them off a mountain. Like that, <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. And it, it, I think it happened like 20 times and every time I was just as excited, I was like, oh, he's ready, let's go. And I, I just liked having my little squad and then you could call them in and it was like an airstrike, but it wasn't an airstrike, it was a bunch of dudes that were your buddies and they came in and they're like hacking people up for you. And it's this, just the story was good. The way it tied in the first one was great. I still haven't seen the movie because my heart hurts. Like I really want to love it, but I know no one did. 
and I don't want it to taint like my endless love for those games. I loved the first one, and I'll tell everyone to play it, but I won't go play it again in case I don't like it. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> I'm like, no, it's a fantastic game. People are like, no, it's terrible. I'm like, no, no, really, it's good. I just won't play it again because I don't want to ruin that memory. Um, let's see. Uh, Black Flag, I think, was a perfect game to me. That's that's I, the one that like that tricked me into thinking Assassin's Creed was good. <laughs> really? That's, you were like, oh, they're all like this. That's, yeah, because I, 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 I played the first one. Uh, and I was like, because it, it had been like critically acclaimed and stuff, and so I, I bought it at some mm-hmm. point and uh, tried it. And I was like, oh, this is this does not feel good to me. I, I do not like this. I at the time I also was not like a stealth game person anyway. Um, yeah. So like I'm much more like go in and hack and slash. Um, Likewise. And then uh, and so I, I walked away from it. But then, uh, as I've said, I think on the show before, uh, the PlayStation Four came out, and I was looking for games to play, and people were saying good things about Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So I was like, all right, I'll try I'll try it again. And I really got hooked on that one, and I like I went through, did a ton of stuff. Didn't do like the only things really I think keeping me from um, like the platinum in that game were probably the online um, mm-hmm. some of the online trophies. Uh, but everything else, like I went in and, and like cleared out that map. Uh, I just so I, I like, loved that story too. Yeah. And usually I always hate like the 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 story outside the animus. I'm like, ah, this is annoying. But I like that too. Mm-hmm. It was it was a beautiful game. It wasn't just here's an old building and here's you and jump off the roof and eh. it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful game. Yeah. It was just pretty, which like I a lot of why I like a game is it pretty? Yeah. Okay. Well, and automatically it's out of five. It can go down from a five, but it starts at a five if it's pretty. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I played through the game, and then I was like, all right, let me try it. Let me, let me give the, the, this series another shot, because I still had mm. my PS3 like hooked up at the time. So um, went back, played through the first game again, still hated it. But I was like, mm. people, people say it really hits its stride with Ezio and stuff. So I, I played through. I enjoyed all the Ezio games. Um, I would say probably Brotherhood is is probably like my second favorite of the series as well. Awesome. Because um, uh, yeah, a, a, a lot of the same stuff. It's like oh, I get to, I get to like build up my own clan. Neat. Um, uh, and then I got I didn't even get through like the prologue section of Assassin's Creed Three. I just got so like tired and burnt out of it. And, and like, admittedly, yeah. I'm sure a part of it. Well, it's was almost that impossible I was to do because it's like six. Go. It's so long. Yeah. Um. So uh, and, and then, I feel like oh, and then I played ahead. I played Unity and, and beat that one out of spite because of how much I was annoyed uh, how annoyed I was by that game and it was like never again. So uh, sure. Syndicate I, I didn't I spent I probably uh, spent more time with the like companion app for Unity, which was it was basically the uh, the Kenway's fleet game of Black Flag yeah. that were like time based and everything, um, but it was just that on like on a on a tablet or on a on yeah mobile. Th- it was fun though it did that i had more fun doing that than i did with unity itself so uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm good on my assassin's creed for uh for for the time being but yeah it was uh that's yeah i i, I assassin's creed Black 3 Flag i think burnt out it. a lot of people yeah that's yeah that's that's the general consensus i got but i was like i, I it's the same i mean like i'm sure you've heard colin talk about it, colin Moriarty, but it's like oh like American history. I'm interested in kind of that because I actually, mm-hmm. 
I'm one of the rare people, I think, that, like, I enjoy all of the conspiratorial stuff that's happening outside of the Animus. Like, I enjoyed yes. all the Desmond stuff just fine. I enjoyed, just in Black Flag, I enjoyed the, the where you are, like, somebody at Abstergo working and playing mm-hmm. these through these games to create, like, experiences for, for people. Um, while all of this, like, modern-day Templar versus assassin stuff is going on. I really enjoy that, um, weirdly. Uh, even if it does get, like, really spins out of control very quickly. Um, but I enjoy that, like, as much as I enjoyed the other stuff. And, uh, and yeah, it's just... I'm... I, I'm good not going back to those games. Um, That's fair. Uh, I have high hopes for whatever the next one will be. I do hope that they've listened to any and all constructive criticism. Uh, what brings me back to those games, I did a Europe trip when I was uh, just finishing high school. So for Assassin's Creed um, 2, everything that happened in and around Italy, I'd been there. So seeing it like was like a flashback in time and knowing that like I'd been there and this make-believe character who was real to me had been there. So that was really exciting. Same with Unity. Um, I'd been to like Paris and France and everything. And I just, it was amazing to see all of that again. I mean, that's even why I like the Da Vinci Code. Cause I'm like, I stood where Tom Hanks stood. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I, cool I, to me. I very much had that same kind of uh, experience with, uh, with Unity. Uh, uh, I haven't been to Italy, but uh, after... Uh, I think the same thing. After high school, I went to uh, mm-hmm. to Europe for a few weeks with friends, and so I went to England and uh, and France, um, the Netherlands, Belgium, a couple other. Uh, oh, Ire- Ireland and Scotland. Um, oh, I want to go there. I'm jealous. And so, uh, so it was like in Unity. It was seeing a whole bunch of uh, places that I'd I'd been to before. I'm sure of Syndicate. I would have had a similar experience in in like Victorian England. Um, but it was, I just don't like how those games handle, um, is that's what it really is for me. It's, it's falling off of a building because it didn't register. Like I was a frame off from where I needed to be to do the leap of faith or whatever. And so it's like, well, now I just have to wait for this loading screen and, and not die next time. And, and it uh, was one of those things where I felt like it never happened to me, but then I would then see David, my husband with the controller almost breaking it in half out of rage, mm-hmm. like trying to up run up the building, and then they had it where you could run down the building, and he was like, oh, he would just shake and want to snap it in half. And I'm like, really? I'm having such a great time with it. I don't know. It's all happening to me. Yeah. I definitely uh, liked when they added co-op. That was fun. That, like it, online stuff. And, and it makes that makes sense for you. For me, somebody who doesn't yeah. do co-op stuff, it's Who's like, oh, well, it's... It. That's that's a whole bunch of missions that are like in this game that I've seen like played in demos and stuff that I'm just never gonna sit down and play, and which was fine because I was playing the game when it first came out too, and they weren't working anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm one of those five people when you're like, oh, in this single player game, there's also co-op stuff. I'm like, yay! And everyone else is like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> get co-op out of our games. Yeah, like yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I, I would. I would be frustrated, or I'm, I'm frustrated at the idea of co-op getting added on it as a replacement for single player, um, or mm-hmm. taking away like resources from single player. But that's just because I'm, I I want resources dedicated to the things I'm going to play. But if it's you know if it's a shooter kind of franchise where it is, there's a single player component and there's a multiplayer component. Uh, like I get that there's yeah. enough of a discrepancy between those two systems that 
people working on multiplayer are not like they were not going to be working on the single player content necessarily. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I always them. knock them for is just don't put trophies in multiplayer for those people who really don't want to do it. Like, don't just don't give make them have to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. Well, I like, get that. It shouldn't be mandatory, especially if a game is like outdated and you want to platinum later and no one's playing it online you're stuck like there's oh yeah there's nothing you can do that's that's really my only gripe with with multiplayer trophies because i like i'm not a well i'm not a trophy whore anyway so um like I'll, I'll go through it i'll get trophies and and uh, and platinums if if i'm enjoying a game but and I, and and there are a couple like if if they are simple like the titanfall trophies or whatever it was like play mm-hmm. a couple matches and i was like okay i'll dive in and see what it's like a little bit um, yeah, it was more incentivizing than anything. Yeah, but it's it, it, if it is like, um, you know, win win a hundred matches. I'm like, I'm not going to dedicate the time. <laughs> Get to out. Okay, never mind. That so, um, <laughs> yeah. and and yeah, the the biggest thing though is, um, tying those trophies to like server support that may not be there in five years. That is kind of mm. bullshit. <laughs> um, uh, I guess I'll throw one more thing into my gaming history. I was in a long-distance relationship, now I've lived with him for three years, and gaming was a great way to hang out without feeling like you're two separate countries, so I'll just throw that in as, like, thank you, gaming, because that would have been really difficult to just talk to someone all day long. We could actually play together and not just feel so awkward and so far apart. That really made us feel like we were in the same room. So no, absolutely, cool. and that's the, the one of the times I've gotten into, uh, to, like, uh, online gaming was when my sister and her uh, then boyfriend, now husband, were uh, were out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like we kind of fallen out of touch because she like we grew up together. She was here. We were thick as thieves and stuff. Um, and then they were away for a couple years. And so at some point in there, I was like, "Hey, I missed like hanging out." And he had gotten her into gaming a little bit, mm-hmm. so they would play games like Diablo or Borderlands, but they were playing them on the PS3, and I was like, I only have them on PS4. So here, Jamie, happy birthday, here's a PS4, let's play games together. That's <laughs> and so sweet. like we would we would sit down. Um, we probably only did it for like a month and a half or so kind of consistently for, for a little while there, but like we would sit down every week and, and um, play Diablo or play Borderlands 2 or something and uh, and just hang out, visit while playing a game so i can totally appreciate that sentiment and it's like i grew up in an era where i did have um like i would i would play at a friend's house and and like we there would be five or six of us um and we would kind of like rotate among friends and we would play couch Mm co-op and and the n64 and smash and stuff and that was that was our social like gathering interaction stuff it was just like we all went our separate ways at some point and uh and just it didn't it didn't carry on. I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to enter the, the hermit phase of my gaming life. Yeah. Um, I had that same phase, too, where I th- it was almost, f- like, I think the four or five years through high school, every Friday was Mario Party night, no matter what. And we never missed it. And then we everyone kind of, like, went to college and it tapered off. I will do anything I can to get that back mm-hmm. <laughs> in my, like, married adult life. Because I, I loved it. It was just, it was dumb fun. It was board games on TV. Yeah. I missed that. That was the when I got um, my Wii uh, a couple years ago. Now uh, it was because my then girlfriend and I had, were talking about like, oh, let's invite our friends over and we will have like Mario Party nights or we will have Mario Kart or Smash Brothers or whatever. And we will like Nintendo is still good for that for for couch yeah. co-op stuff. So we can like invite everybody over. We've got enough controllers. We can have fun. And we like 
we I think maybe had like one Mario Kart night and then nothing and then six months later we were broken up so I was like well now I've got a Wii, now I've got a Wii U that I will at least here in a month I will be playing Zelda on but that's that's pretty much going to be the most use my Wii U gets out of anything. Well, I mean, if you get the Switch, you could have an arms night, so that would be pretty fun. Woo! <laughs> yeah, arms. Arms, one, two, Switch. I mean, geez, the fun we'll have. Yeah. That's... It, it's... I said, I said basically when all that stuff came out, I was like, oh, yeah, it looks like I'm not going to really enjoy Nintendo until I have kids. Okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'm just resigned to that at this point. Oh, well. That's fair. Um, uh, speaking of, though, did you ever get into kind of the handheld? Uh, any any handhelds? Any, like, Game Boys? Yeah. Versus, any of that stuff? I did. Um, I had a, a just a black and white Game Boy, and the first game I ever got on it was Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So that is where my love for Pokemon stems from. Was I it, played which, out with my Pokemon? little brother. Pardon me? Which Pokemon? Oh, Pokemon Red. You you were red. Did your brother get blue, or did you guys have? He to got red? blue, okay. but we both picked Charmander because he was like, "Oh, this stupid turtle's not cool." He was also three years younger than me, so I think I was like seven, and he was four when he got it. Mm-hmm. He would just bang the thing on the table and didn't know what to do with it. Nice. Yeah, my so, sister and I, uh, yeah. like I was uh, same same boat. I was red, she was blue. So, um, but we would do. There was like, and uh, you were only seven or whatever, so. Uh, so you probably didn't know to go online and find these exploits, but you could play. No, through, uh, like uh, I would play through the uh, like the first couple hours of that game, um, and we would just trade like back and forth. So like it would just I would spend like the first twelve hours playing the first bit of that game. Yeah, so you could six get times um, all the starters. Trade all of the starters. So yeah, we would each have basically going into the first gym all three starters um, uh, ready to go. I thought Pokemon Silver was amazing. Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, I had those. I had the Foldy one. What was that one? Uh, the SP? That. Oh, yeah, I had that one. I remember when you used to have to have a little light on your Game Boy yep. so I could play it in the car going to my dad's. Yep. Yeah, we were talking. Those were the days. <laughs> I don't remember if it was Moises last week or, or somebody else a couple weeks ago. It might have been Nikki. Um, we were talking uh, where you those those like road trips where you could only play every few minutes, um, uh, like when you passed under a, a street light and you'd like yes. you have like five seconds of, of good gaming. Or you're like holding it like halfway out the window yeah. trying to see. Yeah. What a revolution that's been yes. that now <laughs> we can play games in the dark. <laughs> Thank God for backlight. <laughs> yeah, no, Game Boy was always fun. I I don't even think I ever broke one. Which was amazing because I've broken so many phones. But, yeah, there's a lot of good games. I remember just, like, Donkey Kong. I think it was Donkey Kong Country, maybe, that was super fun on that. I'm trying to think of the DS games. I liked um, Luigi's Mansion on DS. I really wanted it to be the exact same as the GameCube version, but it wasn't, so that was disappointing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of my favorite games end up being Nintendo, but that's probably all nostalgia. Yeah. It, it it is a powerful thing. I try, it is. Like, I try and look at it through like a non-nostalgia lens. Um, it, like especially like I will anytime Colin goes on like Mega Man Three is the best game ever. I'm like Mega Man Three is broken as hell, and you just yeah. like we all f- just figured out how to make it work. Like the game the game is broken it glitches you can only shoot three things at a time that's not a that's not a design choice that was a the system can only have three bullets on screen at a time 
uh, and we just figured out how to make it work. Uh, there are certain moments or certain things in there where, like, you stand on a platform, and instead of going up, you will get, like, bumped off the platform when a fan rises or something. That's, like, that is And you're like, this is fun. I love yeah. this. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, like, I, I have no nostalgia love for that game. Um, but yeah. I'm sure that, like, uh, the series that I do still have, like, nostalgic love for, uh, like, Final Fantasy or something, um, I can totally understand why if somebody's trying to, like, get into that now, it might not resonate for them. Um, but it did for me, and I think at least certain aspects of it hold up, and I can defend those. But, I mean, even the, the whole debate of, like, my love of pixel art and, and sprite-based stuff comes from, like, that is the look of games from when I was a kid. Um, yeah. There might be a whole generation of people that the look of PlayStation 1 games and those polygons, while it looks like janky as hell to me now, that might be what somebody thinks is, like, the pinnacle of, like, game design and, and style yes. and art style. Um, uh, and it might be through that same kind of nostalgia. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, so we touched on um, mobile, uh, or, uh, uh, yeah, like, handhelds. Uh, did you ever get into... Uh, to PC, and I, I know you did. Given I know your your um, your yeah. gaming uh, your favorite game uh, topic that we'll dive into, but um, outside of of that game and that series, did you ever get into other uh, PC gaming? Uh, not PC gaming in the way everyone knows it as like MOBAs no. or just the enhanced experience of a console. But I played a lot of the Barbie games on PC, like <laughs> Barbie Veterinarian. I've dumped like a hundred hours into that. You had to brush the animals, it, like take care of them. You had to wash their little paws, give them shots. And I loved it because I like puppies and kitties and everything. And I liked Barbie. And there was like a, a boss level where there's a lost golden retriever and you have to find it. And that, my friend, was a tricky, tricky little level you had to do. was <laughs> walk around this whole damn town and find a stupid dog. <laughs> But I probably did it like 50 times. That might be all the PC gaming I did, aside from the, the game that we'll talk about in a minute. I'm trying to think if I ever played anything else. Like, I dabbled in WoW and League, and I just I couldn't do the super, like, clicky, concentrated, freaking out, so I, I gave up. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like just having it in my hands. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the... the like, I've got a computer, and... Given the our, our little difficulties in getting the show started uh, this morning, um, we, <laughs> yeah. s- we started half an hour late because my computer was freezing left and right. Um, uh, I, I like I'm sitting here looking at my new pseudo gaming PC that uh, that I just need to actually like pull the trigger on and get set up. Yeah. Because um, uh, I miss games uh, like the the handful of games that I would play on PC would be like. Um, like Civilization and stuff. The games that I can't necessarily mm-hmm. get on on a console experience that I love from growing up, like Civilization, um, even like XCOM. While they've made like console ports, they always run really crappily, mm-hmm. and so like running that in a smooth like on a smooth good gaming uh, PC experience uh, is something that I, I certainly miss. Like those old real time strategy kind of games that you you do need like not like an overwhelming amount of inputs but enough inputs that like a controller doesn't necessarily do it um yeah it, but like it's not I, it's I, also you know not what? like twitch sensitive so it's not like oh i need to hit these That's buttons true. super quick it's i just need like i'm not gonna go into uh a civilopedia in civilization um on a on a console because there's just too much uh um, yeah 
too many buttons and stuff to go through. Like, I like PC gaming if it's not, like, reaction-based kind of thing. But I just remember, I used to play, like, Command and Conquer Generals and Yuri's Revenge. Like, all, like, kind of, not strategy, but little big, big war games. And also, uh, when I used to stream back in the summer, I forgot, I played um, Dead by Daylight. So that was, like, a super fun game I used to stream. And Beloved Undertale was also on pc undertale is is still a game i need to get into uh i I started i've started it a couple times and uh and yeah oh that's right because you got the you got the um i know they're right behind my they're right behind my computer nice (laughs) like they're staring at my face you got the uh was it fan gamer that those were from fan gamer yes from uh i got pappy and sans and i was very happy yeah i i the furthest i got into undertale was the part where like they get introduced um, mm-hmm. and, uh, like it was like, I've, I've read enough about the game to know certain elements of it. Uh, and it just, for whatever reason, just be, I mean, mostly because like, I don't, I'm not normally in a, as somebody who now does a four hour podcast in front of my computer regularly, I just don't sit in front of my computer regularly <laughs> long enough Th- to want to play a game. Um, so maybe, I think maybe my the... mindset has changed there, but I think the only reason I played it was the love that other people had for it on Twitch. I never played it without being on Twitch, so there's always people looking to jump in and watch someone play that game again to re- to relive that first time you ever played it through someone else's eyes. And at any given time, I had like 30 people in the chat just being so excited for the next part and the next part and the next part. So I think that's kind of what carried me through because the first hour, I was like, I don't know what's going on. There's a flower and it's weird and my mom is crying. This is all really weird for me, but they keep telling me like it's really good, so I'll keep going. And then I just couldn't put it down. I streamed one day for nine hours straight because I I didn't want to stop playing it. It kept getting so much better and it pulled out some heartstrings. It's a good game. Yeah, I have no no doubt I'll enjoy it given uh, the number of people who I respect and admire that that really enjoy it uh Mm -hmm. it's just like some of it is i like i'd heard of like oh there's a pacifist run through so i started out like oh i'm gonna try and do the pacifist run on my first run and it's like uh and then i accidentally killed toriel or something and i was like no um and uh oh my god (laughs) yeah uh tried tried to because i was like i can't figure out how to do the mercy thing i don't know what to how to what to do with her she won't stop fighting me (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, I'll so just kill her. Like, yeah, and so I, was, I uh, like that, like that traumatic experience, knowing that I didn't want to kill her, and it just accidentally happened or something. Uh, I was like, oh well, uh, I'm done with this game for now. <laughs> and I tried You're coming like, back. Bye, like, I just ruined a year the game. Later, and it was still like, hey, like you've been gone a while, but we remember that this happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh damn it. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it, like I appreciate the things I know that that game does, and I just haven't. Yeah. Been able to really sit down and and take the time to experience it myself. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I, once I do have, uh, I can get my like rig set up and and maybe do try my hand at streaming or something on uh, on some kind of regular basis. That'll be one of the games. That's certainly one of the games that's like at the top of my list to to play on PC. So uh, nice. Since it seems to never want to come to console, and I get that there are like moments in there where it's like I don't really think that would work great on console. I'm like, you could make it work on console. You could make yeah. it the game crashes or something and you have to go into a, 
a folder or something to do something something. I can't um, even see how that would be that difficult to put on console. It's not the most complex looking game. Yeah. With the most, it, co- I mean, at any given time, you have three options, so it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Um, uh, awesome. Uh, any? Uh, so, what are what are you playing like these days? What are what are some things that stand out in in the modern era? I am back into Overwatch. Yeah, it's like an abusive relationship. I get mad at it and then I go back to it. And uh, the, I finished up. What, oh, what's go ahead. the draw? Sorry, what's the draw of Overwatch to you? Is it is it the like you are on there playing with friends and visiting and hanging out and and that? Um, it, the fact that it's an online game helps because I just my my big appeal or the big appeal um, online game has for me is you can just throw in 15 minutes, you get your 15 minutes of gaming, and you can leave. I feel like I can't do that with like a single-player game. I can't just go ahead and play Uncharted or Skyrim for 15 minutes. But I can go play a game of Overwatch, get like the little rush of adrenaline from freaking out and trying to escape or kill somebody or get the point, and then I can leave, and I feel like I got my little dose of gaming that I needed. Um, I also play it side-by-side with... David, we sit side by side on the couch. We each have our TVs, mm-hmm. and just playing together, I just find it really fun. That game is never boring to me, because every match is different. You're playing against new people. I love ranking up, and it's kind of a mix of my Call of Duty and like the, all the online stuff that I miss. That I can't go back to Black Ops Two. People are still playing it, and I go back, and I don't have my team. And I get angry because like I can't call out to people anymore, and I can't use my leader for support. So I just like I get mad, and I don't know. I feel like with Overwatch, everyone, if you're playing competitive, quick play drives me nuts. In competitive, everyone sort of has a common goal, and even if I can't talk to other people, I know that they're still trying to support. But for a bit, I was playing with a lot of kind of funny members when they were um, well, community members when they were still playing. So that was a good way to hang out with people through that game. Like the Thatchers, uh, played with them for a while. So it was just a fun way to hang out with people again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Erin. Uh, before I ever before I ever met her or like even really interacted with her in the in the kind of funny community, uh, she was in the like one game of online uh, Overwatch that I played with some friends or the one nice. the one session. It was like and she, it was like she was mostly silent. But I remembered uh, the Nine Inch Nails nurse. Um, handle, yeah. uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's like clever, nice." Um, and it wasn't until uh, uh, like months later, when we were both Facebook admins together, that uh, I, I pieced together, "Oh, oh, I played with you. Uh, you were it's you were, the same person. You were you were the one person I didn't really know when I when we played yeah. Overwatch that night. But I sent you like a a, a friend request or whatever afterwards." Um, um, yeah, from, I guess with like online gaming, it's the happiest and angriest I ever am when I'm gaming. Mm-hmm. So I guess I like that like push and pull of this could be the best day ever because of this one game or I'm going to have to go eat my feelings and break some things because I'm really mad. Yeah, that's uh, like I, I, I can appreciate that. And for me, it's the like where I come from and why I think like online gaming and, and competitive stuff doesn't really resonate with me is I I grew up where like I feel like I'm progressing if my character in the game is progressing and mm-hmm. not necessarily if I'm progressing or getting better. So the idea of the idea of that, um, you know, hop in, do a 15 minute match or something, um, doesn't appeal to me because I feel like I would just be doing the same kind of thing and not necessarily 
like the if I'm playing as Mercy, Mercy's not getting better. I would either be getting better or or not. Yeah. And I imagine more often than not, it would be not that I'm not getting better. And so I'm gonna like I'm gonna feel like that was wasted time in a sense. Uh, uh, is that's I think that's why I, like I never get into ranked anything or any of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I like I appreciate that that it is there for people who who uh, who do kind of enjoy that. It's it's the same reason like I don't. Same reason, like I didn't like uh, Bloodborne or something like that, because is is I'm I'm going through there and my character is kind of progressing, but it's mostly like I'm having to learn and figure out this game, and I yeah. don't have the patience for that necessarily, especially if I'm doing it in a freaking twenty four hour stream like an idiot. Um, so <laughs> it was a good stream though. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the so the that's that's what I look for when I'm when I'm playing a game is I'm looking for like that level of progression um, where it's not necessarily me progressing as a player um, because I don't like something like Overwatch I don't have the time necessarily to commit to 30-40 hours just to get yeah. better at doing the same thing every 15 minutes um, mm-hmm. uh, it, like I, I wish I had that <laughs> that luxury sometimes but um, I, just with my adult responsibilities and limited, limited gaming time I want to go through like a story or um or, or you want an like ending yeah. i think is, yes yeah very yeah like very a, con- much. a want, conclusion to your ending. experience Absolutely. yeah that is that is especially a great way as of putting it. Yeah. as someone who's writing about games it's hard to just okay i played it and i like it but you know having an ending to a game it's a lot easier to form an opinion on it because it's like a conclusive experience and i could totally get why you would want that yeah I, yeah, no, that's that's gonna stick with me. That like that is the perfect way of summing it up. So thank you for for hitting no that uh, for me and and giving me that like oh yeah that's that's exactly what it is. I I need an ending to my experiences or knowing that there's an ending out there even if I'm not gonna get to it. Um, yeah. Uh, even if I'm gonna like put a game down because it it is so frustrating knowing that there's an ending out there I can say I'm just not gonna touch that ending. Whereas yeah, it's something something like Overwatch or or Black Ops three or Black Ops two multiplayer and stuff uh it's like oh yeah no there's like there is there is an ending to that match but that's like that's the battle there is no ending to the war um yeah it's like even like i just i just finished um dishonor 2 and i know you did too a little bit earlier than i did it's nice just when you finish a game it's over and you're like you get that sort of breath of fresh air they're like i don't have to play this again for a bit Mm -hmm. and it's done and i enjoyed my experience and it's over and I, I know how this beginning, middle, it ends, and it's great. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's also ties into why why Assassin's Creed ends up bothering me is because like there's an <laughs> ending to the individual games, but there's no ending in sight for the overall story of, of yeah. what's going it's on. It's like the only world. way those games end, it, the world blows up. Yeah. That's it. Yep. That's all there can be. <laughs> so let's just get to that point already. <laughs> Exactly. Just give me Donald Trump the game in Assassin's Creed and we'll watch it all blow up and it'll be great. Oh, God. Yeah, Donald Trump's totally a Templar. Uh, that would be the coolest storyline. You have to, like, go assassinate him and, like, go through the White House? I, Come on. I was actually legitimately thinking about that the other day. I was like, how... Like, especially... It's it's a it's the kind of thing I would love to write a story about that. Like, what if there is a developer out there writing and figuring out, like... This would be a really interesting game for people to play, a game where they ha- like there is a way of getting your frustration out towards the the current administration 
in in video game form. And I've seen games like there's there's a like a mobile game out there that's like Punch a Nazi, and it's just like a tapping <laughs> hey. game, and uh, and they throw up like uh, Milo or or the um, the the alt right Nazi who got like punched in the face during uh, during the women's march mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it's just like you tap it and it just smacks them in the face. Um, how do you like? It's there's there's a desire for that like experience out there for people to kind of get that like cathartic release of I'm never gonna do this in real life, but yes. like I would really love to just like GTA Five style just punch Donald Trump on the street or something like that. Um, and it, it's just but, I like, can definitely understand as a developer it's very hard to be like let's make. Assassin's Creed White House where you can assassinate the president and they're like yeah, that might not go well exactly, marketing for that might get some flack that's exactly that's the like the controversy surrounding a game like that and like the the potential legal ramifications of um of, of such a uh, it like effectively it's like promoting treason and the assassination yeah. of a world leader and stuff it's like oh yeah that's that's not like obviously, this is not what we want to actually happen in real life, but like there is a desire and and a groundswell for that kind of like release. Yeah. Um, that it would be very interesting to see somebody try it. I mean, like you, I you would never see it at the at the scale of of. Uh, of no, like, it wouldn't a, a be Ubisoft, a triple A title. <laughs> yeah, it would like, and it there, it would not surprise me at all if like angry indie developers are out there trying to figure out a way to make it. A game, even if they're going through all sorts of like, hey, it's clearly not Donald Trump, but it's clearly Donald Trump. Wink. Yes. Um, and and here's like, I mean, like even just like bankrupting his companies or something like that would be like that would be just cathartic. Like, give me a civilization where I can. I give me civilization where I am fighting. Like where Donald Trump is the leader of America, and I will yes. go ahead and pick any other country <laughs> and do, do what I can to. <laughs> to destroy America. And it's like I'm sure I, I like I it would not surprise me if there are already mods out there on for GTA where it is like you can you can put Donald Trump into that into those games or something like that and get maybe that experience. But I think yeah, yeah. having having a full fledged game it was a it was definitely a thought I was like as I was like walking up the stairs to my apartment yesterday, I was just like, man, that would be really like that would be a really interesting story um to to see kind of play out over the next few years um i feel like the people who could do it if you kept it like fairly satire which is kind of their thing is saints row Mm -hmm. i feel like they like might be able to pull it off since they usually do the strangest things yeah and they might be like but it's a joke yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah you're go probe him you're totally smacking donald trump with a dildo bat that's absolutely exactly (laughs) and you're like Uh, i love this yeah uh and like it would there, there is definitely an audience I think that would buy the buy games just for that experience. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's that's a, a side tangent, but definitely something that that uh, that I've been thinking of recently. Um, like maybe people were really psyched about beating up that Donald Trump looking mongoose Pokemon that came out this year. Yeah. Maybe that was what everyone they would just went to that one area and they're like, I swear to God. Yeah, they would just they would just name him Donald and then send him out into the world and. <laughs> And everybody can just like attack that Pokemon. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, any uh, any other gems from this generation that you kind of want to touch on? Um, 
I have The Last Guardian, but I haven't started it. But that's one I want to play. Don't know if it'll be a gem, but I want other, to love it. Have you played any of the, the other Team Eco games, like Shadow of the Colossus or Eco? I did. I played Shadow of the Colossus last year. Okay. And I, I really liked it. It definitely didn't hold up, like, graphics-wise, but I loved the story, and I loved, like, how frustrating of a game mechanic it is when there's just one thing you have to do right. There's... I don't find that to be strategy. You just have to find the one place you need to hit this fellow. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed that. I'm trying to think of what other games I've played recently. It's been, it was just a lot of Overwatch and Dishonored for a while. And I'm um, really excited for Breath of the Wild and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn are ones I want to play. Mm-hmm. So those are what I'm patiently waiting for. Nice. Excellent. Uh, do, is, do you still? Because uh, I've seen uh, I've seen the video of you and Joe playing Don't mm. Starve. Uh, do you, you guys still do that? I wasn't allowed to play after that. Okay, and I you, was like excommunicated from that game. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I like I, how he thought I was good enough to do that on purpose, and I was like, I literally don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll try and uh, link to that video too in the uh, in the description. Um, basically just, yeah, you, you destroying an encampment with fire. <laughs> After I had already been, I think I died within the first five minutes of the game. And then, um, yeah, Joe, Eddie, and I, they played through the game for another two hours or maybe an hour trying to revive me. And then I got revived and then immediately made a very big mistake and ended the game. And they were really mad at me. <laughs> nice. Um... Great. Well, yeah, if there's uh, if there's nothing else um, gaming history related, I think we can dive into uh, topic two. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, topic two, The Sims. Hit the me. best game. The best game. I I know. Have you have a you have a pass with The Sims as well? Yeah, absolutely. That was the first game you played with your sister, I think, is what you'd mentioned. Uh, Pokemon was uh, was probably the, one of the first games I played with my sister, but I definitely I definitely put in a lot of time in this, with The Sims. I have like um, all of the the original game expansions. Um, that was a game I would like introduce to friends in high school because I was mm-hmm. old enough where I was playing that in high school. Um, and I still I play would it. get them addicted to it. I'm saying like that when it, when the first Sims was coming out, I was yeah, oh I was right in high yeah school, that's true. Is, is what I'm saying. Um, uh, yeah, I would, like I would I because so, the the original Sims basically as every new expansion came out, like if you installed it, um, you only needed that disc uh, for for the game. So I would have like I would give a friend of mine who I got addicted to the Sims, um, I would give her like the last expansion, and she would just like. Have basically, she would just be playing my game on her computer um, up mm-hmm. through the 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 final the expansion or whatever. So maybe she never played Making Magic or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was <laughs> like I, I definitely put in so many so many hours in that. But this is your topic, so you tell me your Sims sure. experience. <laughs> um, the first time I tried The Sims, I just I I had like read about it online, so it was The Sims One, and for what it was, or Sims One, The Sims. That was just fun because you could make a pretty house and you could make a family with kids that never grew up, which was really annoying. But I played The Sims busting out. No, in the first one, the kids just like went away or they stayed children. And that was really annoying (laughs) Yeah, because they had to do homework like all the time. Yeah. 
But I loved The Sims busting out on GameCube, and that was actually the one I played the most at first before playing The Sims 2, because it was kind of like a story mode, and it was cool to go from like house to house to house, uh, like making the relationships with people, the big cow cactus plant thingy, or the Venus flytrap that could eat your mother, how people were always kicking you out, I don't know why, it was like the coolest game, you got a new car. <laughs> Like, what more do you need? That was, for me, like, what made me want to be a teenager so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a car and live at everyone's house. And I can join the military because it's a really good job. And then Turned eventually you can, you'll, you'll be an astronaut on that track, I think. Right? Is that what, exactly, is that yeah. where that one ends? Because yeah, police officers where you end up, up as being, a superhero. Yeah, which will just... The, the Sims, for me, was all the... At first, it was... I get to be an adult, which is fun, because I was a kid. But then as a teenager, it was, okay, what are all the weird things I can do in this game that you would never do? Like, in The Sims 2, in, I think, what was it, Strange Town, where the aliens were? Uh, maybe, yeah. I think it was like a desert town, and that was the one where when you look in the telescope, you can get abducted by aliens as a man and become pregnant with a baby alien. So I was like, well, I have a couple hundred hours to kill after school for the next couple months. I'm going to make it so every man in this town gets pregnant with an alien and I'm going to phase out all the people so it'll just be a full alien town. So I, <laughs> And that took hours. Yeah. Because you, you had to be, I think, logic level 7 or like 7 to 10 to get abducted. And at first I was just going to do it all with one guy, but then I realized all of these kids would be siblings so then they couldn't make more alien babies so that wouldn't work so i had to make a house with four different guys each have them have a kid and then i would kill them and then i would just have the aliens procreate and then make them keep procreating until eventually it phased out like all the npcs and everything because i just wanted a fully alien town and i that took me I, yeah, like six months of every day I would come home from school and I'd be like, oh, okay, phew, I have to get everybody who's <laughs> getting real good at their logic and get all these people procreating so I could have a town full of aliens. And I think that might have been the happiest I've ever been when I finally, <laughs> when, <laughs> like if there was there a platinum no for that, left. I got it. Nice. That's, yeah. I, there were, yeah, there are a ton of, like, weird little one-off things that I, I think I maybe had, like, one person ever get abducted and come back and have, like, an alien baby. Never, never did I think, oh, I want to do this with everybody. I was like, I'm going to phase out every human in this town because this is all I want. I don't know. The second I found out you could get pregnant as a guy, I got, like, the, the little manual. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the whole wide world. Why else, why else would I play this game? Uh, what else did I do? I know that if you got people up to Charisma 10, I would make um, a guy who was like super charming and charismatic. And this is another, I'm realizing this is a lot of like weird schemes that I would do. David actually, he watched me redo this again in The Sims 3 and then again in The Sims 4. I would make it so that guy would get every woman in town pregnant, but I would never let them move in because I just wanted to like spread my seed through the town. And then I would kill the mothers because <laughs> I wanted all these kids to grow up without a mom. And there was just an old elderly woman and I wouldn't let her age and she would take care of all the kids. 
But I was a great dad, though, because I would invite the kids over uh, when it was their birthday, because it would let you know when their birthday was, and I would throw them a party with all their siblings, and I would make, like, big, big meals, and I would send them each home with food in their inventory so they wouldn't starve, and uh, when they reached adulthood, I would kill them, because I just wanted the whole town to be my children, because I thought it would be cool to live, like, those, those Mormon people where it's, like, one guy and they're abundance of kids I wanted that to be me so the, the sims kind of showed me a lot about myself yeah it sounds like, a, I, <laughs> like I, know, I know that the camera has been on you this whole time but like my face has basically been like oh Chelsea's I see crazy. your face you're like uh-huh uh-huh oh Chelsea, my god crazy as fuck. <laughs> yeah it was it was never enough to run my house I had to run the town so I also made it um, like, I think it was The Sims 3, you could get a unicorn, so I would make everybody get a unicorn, because I wanted everyone to be riding unicorns all around town. It, yeah, yeah, I was always up to no good, just I, trying to find ways for the whole town to be one way. Am I communist? <laughs> <laughs> you're basically, yeah, I, it, I mean, it sounds pretty much like you're just Vladimir Putin in The Sims. I just want everyone to be the same. All aliens, all children. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was always a big diabolical scheme where one day, probably in the middle of doing something really important, I would just think, what is a way I can make this whole town weird? Like, make every single person in town a woman with seven cats, so the whole town would just be covered in cats. Yeah. It's, it's weird now that I think about it. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think it was I, The Sims 3... Um, I don't remember what expansion, but your kid, when they became a child, they would have an imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. And if you befriended the imaginary friend, when, I think, I don't know if there was a skill you had to have, but when you became a teenager, you could actually turn them into a person. So I would be like this beautiful thing where they, they've been this imaginary friend for so long, and it turns into a person, and you can be in a relationship with them, but I would always kill them right away so that the kid would be like, oh, it's my best friend, I can't believe it, for so long I thought you were fake. You're dead. Oh, this is really sad. Yeah, the, the, death seems to be the running theme here, which is, which is yeah. the, uh, that's the, that's the really concerning part, is that everything basically ends up like, I'm going to do this really weird thing, and then everyone's going to die. <laughs> But it was so fun. Like, the thing I miss about The Sims 2 the most is their memories. Mm -hmm. And you could scroll through all their memories. And in the all, all the other games, I didn't get to see how upset they were by all the things that I did. So that was really disappointing. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, I, the, Sims, uh, the Sims 2 is probably the last generation I really... Like, I think I got The Sims 3 and I played it maybe a little bit. But um, that was at the point where uh, my computer stopped really liking those games uh, because it's old and crappy and can barely run google chrome at times that, uh, yes uh so i i've definitely fallen off the sims wagon but i still like i would still keep up with the game and so i would always be fascinated when like new sims games were coming out with less things to do than the old games and i was like the what? sims 4 was the worst for that yeah it's, that's what i remember like reading that Ooh. left and right i was like what like why is that a you're just you're just cashing in on people who like want the newest sims game and then they're going to get it and say, this game, I can't do any of the things I want to do, so I'm going back to The Sims 3. That's not a good yeah, strategy. Yeah, like The Sims 4 yeah. was the most disappointing, because it's like, oh, you know those things you liked about the base game? They're an expansion now. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Oh, oh because we'll sell it, and we, we miss that money where people bought, like, every expansion pack from the first generation for 40, 50 bucks. 
like me. Well, yeah, and even the like clothes. Me. It's like, oh, the base game. You get some jeans and 57 t-shirts. Yeah. And the Sims 3, there was a dropper where you could literally make the clothes, like, or anything in the house, any design you wanted, and they took that out. I'm like, <clears throat> Hi, interior designer over here with diabolical schemes, and now I can't make a pretty house where I can make a mom have a kid who goes to university, makes a boyfriend, comes back with the boyfriend who gets the mom pregnant, kill the last kid. Like, that was a great cycle for me. I knew knew death was coming somewhere in there. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was a problem. I think The Sims 2 was probably the best. I think that was the one where you had to invite the headmaster over and schmooze him to get your kid into private school so i would always make either the mac and cheese or the lobster because those always went over really well like it's just so frustrating they took out all the fun stuff i liked having to get them into private school and i liked having to get your teenager to sneak out of the house to go on a date and if they had a good job they picked them up in a limo and it was like all that cool stuff that um i miss a lot yeah that's it and just just to be clear, like I killed plenty of people in The Sims myself. Like the the moat trick of the original Sims game, uh, that was my jam. I would invite everybody over, and you put a moat around the house, and so they, yep. but with with no uh, no ladder to climb out. So they of course, all jump into how the else pool would you get out of the pool to try and get to the front door? Um, and then they die in the pool, and then you get new. Yeah, new, I've totally done that too, where you. You make the whole house around a pool, so they have to go into the pool to get anywhere else in the house, and they would just die of fatigue trying yep. to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, just pee in the pool. Yep. Yeah. The uh, so I did that, but I didn't. I didn't like make it part of an elaborate scheme to first turn everybody into like uh, cat people. Oh jeez, <laughs> I just dropped them. my phone. Yeah, I don't know Uh, what it was where I could never just play it. Like, some people are like, oh, I like playing The Sims and having a kid and making a family and have everyone grow old and carry on the generation. I don't have time for that. I need to take over this entire town. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of terrifying. I would do, do like, the tracks just to see what what they were and and get the fun little stories of, like, oh, your guy who started as, like, a beat cop security guard or whatever is now a superhero. That was fun. That was a good... That's cool. Like, again, it... It goes to that, um, uh, to what we were talking about in, in the last segment of uh, like, there was character progression there, and I was leveling up the character and getting the um, their arc kind of uh, to a completion point. Um, be it like, oh, okay, this now I need a ten, a level ten logic and a level seven charisma, so I'm gonna play a lot mm-hmm. of chess and I'm gonna perform in front of a mirror a lot. Um, and, and as you do, would, and then I would. I also had to make friends, and I was like, "Oh, I suck at that part of the game." <laughs> but, but I would try. I have to call everybody. Exactly. That was like maintaining friendships sucks, and it's like I'm bad at that in real life. Why would I want to be good at that in a game? Um, That's what I hated about The Sims Four. Is in all these games, I always do it at least one time, where I'm the guy who gets everyone pregnant and has all these kids. Yeah. And it's really hard to maintain your infidelity when, for some reason, The Sims Four people just show up at your house. And sometimes I like to make out and flirt on the front lawn, and then the three of my girlfriends show up, and I'm like, everyone's mad, now I can't get them pregnant, I have to apologize. It's really frustrating, and it totally cramps your style. I mean, I feel like you could have easily gotten away with that by just not making out in the front lawn. Yeah, but when the moment strikes with what's-her-name, I mean, it's always different. Sometimes it's just you gotta go and you gotta go, and stuff's getting hot, and there's a hot tub nearby. Nope. Ruined because everybody shows up. Yeah, that was 
but uh, yeah, I definitely put it a lot of time into those games. After I would do like, like I I would have like one character that would go through basically every career path, um, and so he would be a superhero, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm done being a superhero. Now I'm gonna go be a a, a movie star or something like that. Um, I had a good time uh, with like doing that, but I spent probably most of my time in in The Sims when all was said and done, just like making elaborately large, beautiful mansions. And like that was always being, fun. Being interior designer kind of stuff. I spent way more time like building houses than I did actually like putting people into those houses and then enjoying them. <laughs> it's like yeah, this the is, worst this part of the, the game for me is like when it's gonna have a it's gonna have a bowling alley. It's gonna have a pool table. <laughs> but I'm not gonna have anybody over. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I hated. And The Sims, I just liked having my one person. Which is why I always made it where all my kids lived in other houses. I didn't like having to take care of them. I want to be a parent, too, which is weird, because I don't like being a parent oh, yeah, that's, I mean, like, I didn't know if I was going to bring it up in the show, but, like, I'm definitely concerned for your and David's kid now. <laughs> I know, because I want a baby, but now I'm thinking, I keep killing all my kids in these games or giving them away to old elderly women in a home where I make it very much like an orphanage where like it's beds in single file and there's one bathroom. I'm just like, eh, they'll figure it out. I send them food. They'll be okay. And now I want a baby. This is alarming. Yeah, it's I mean, at least you recognize this about yourself and and <laughs> like, can, maybe I like should talk to somebody. Recognize that hey, maybe this isn't how I should actually treat a kid. <laughs> It's one of those things where I've done this my whole life, but I've never actually said out loud the things I do in The Sims, except for to David, but he already knows I'm crazy anyways. And saying it out loud, I'm like, this this could say a lot more about me than I think. And this might be a problem. Yeah. We oh, don't know. Like, I'm sure there are, like, if not BuzzFeed articles, I, I've definitely seen, like, college humor or dorkly art- articles that are like, what kind of Sims player are you and what that says about you as a person? <laughs> Um, and so I was like, oh, it's okay that I'm, like, an interior design uh, or architect kind of Sims player. Because yes. it just means I like building something. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't know if they've ever touched on the type of Sims player that insists on uh, turning an entire town into alien people and killing off all <laughs> the normal humans. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, that actually one... is, like, a hostile takeover, yeah. too. Yeah, like, you you basically played God to uh, Area 51 the shit out of that city. <laughs> I did. The only person I saved was uh, Bella Goth because uh-huh. she was missing from Pleasantville in the first town, and my goal was to eventually move her there and blow Mortimer's mind because he thought she was dead this whole time. That was the story for another day, but that had to happen. I needed to figure out some sort of way to get her to move there because everyone thought she was dead. And I mean, was... it sounds like the the real trajectory would have been uh, Bella gets all of the alien people pregnant. Uh, or all of the alien people get Bella pregnant, and then all of the alien people die, and Bella just has a shit ton of alien kids. <laughs> I would love that. I need that's, to do that. I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure that's what you would have done. <laughs> Next, like she would. She should have been my vessel, but I didn't like that the 50-50 chance that the baby not, might not be an alien because you can't kill the baby right away. Wow, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to wait till they got older before I could kill them. Gee. Well, hey, hey guys, what's up? I'm Chelsea. I'm really nice. I mean, <laughs> I you kill could, people. You couldn't kill them, but you could like you could like get child services to come pick them up. That's true. But then I, they had like a bad memory about that. 
Anyways. Yeah, that's true. I guess I guess killing them leaves no bad memory for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you know, I mean, The Sims is a great game. It really teaches you how to be responsible. Another thing I have a problem with The Sims, it's like resumes don't exist. You get to the top of a career, you're a superhero, as you said, and then you start as like a grunt in the military. Why is there no carryover of experience in any of your jobs? Well, there was some. Like, I, I remember, I mean, it, it's to a much smaller degree, but it was, um, like, you would start, like, if you're the top tier, you could start, like, the next tier. Like, the job offerings you would get would be, like, tier three or tier four of that track or something like that. Or you really? would just, like, move right up the ranks really quickly. Well, yeah, you'd move up because you already had, like, the skill level. I think the one time they rewarded you, which was actually smart to teach kids this, was if you started working as a teenager and you got to the top, you would start at, like, tier three when you were hit an adult. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's that's really smart. It teaches kids to, like, go to work when you're a teenager. Nope, took that out of the game. Thanks. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Excellent, yeah. Did you ever play any of the... So you touched on um, uh, Bustin' Out, which I had, like, completely forgotten about. But, yeah, I, I totally played uh, Bustin' Out as well. Did you ever uh, look at The Sims Online? No. I played, like, Sims 3. I think they had that on console. I think it was it was Sims 2 or Sims 3 they had on console. It just wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put Sims on console, it kind of needs a story. I forget what the other one was. There was a Sims on console that had a story, but once the, they made the it... Herbs, I think. That one. There was the herbs with the black-eyed peas in it. Yeah. What? <laughs> I never understood Racial that. Racial demographics was... in video games. <laughs> but it was really fun. That game was really fun, too, just because of like uh, all the different kind of like cool eras you had to go to, and I got to be goth for five seconds, which was like a dream that I'd always had. And you could get a dog. That's a good game. But even after that, there was another one. But they just weren't as good. And then they moved to putting, like, as base as possible on the console without a story. And that kind of just killed it for me. Mm -hmm. If you're going to take everything out and not add something more console into it, don't don't, don't bother. Just leave it. Uh, I was actually referring to, there was a, like, it was basically like an MMO game called The Sims Online, I think. Uh, I've never and, heard of this. Yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> I want to say it maybe came out, may- like, maybe after 2. Uh, it was basically, like, more in the style of Sims 1, but it was, like, you were in a town with other actual real-life people, and, like, you would have your um, your kind of plot of land, and you could turn it into a business, and you could, um, and other people could come, like, buy from your business, and, uh, like... I want to say like you could be like a grocery store you could do entertainment or um uh or it could just like be or like a restaurant or something like that um i remember like always like, i remember reading a ton about it and i was just not an online player so i was like well i'm never going to do that but it would be cool to do that and play and like sell like the things i make in my sims game to other people and and uh, this is and, like blowing my mind right now yeah, I don't know, like, I, I imagine it's probably not supported anymore or something, but there might be still. This sounds like Second Sims Life. Online. It, it, but... well, it was very much, like, in the, okay. in, it, was, it was basically, like, Sims meets Second Life or Sims meets uh, EVE Online, that kind of, um, that kind of experience <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those, like, I remember looking at it and, 
it was, I want to say it was like the the style of the original Sims. So it was uh, still much more like isometric, um, kind of top downy. Um, but yeah, it was like you would be in a in a town with like forty other people or something like that, and you would each have your plot of land to start out with, and th- it was just like there aren't cheat codes. You actually have to like build up and and uh, either do work or you have to like become. An there's no mother load. Yeah, mother no, load was no like my load, savior. No rosebud. Um, yeah, uh, all that uh, all that was gone, and you actually had to like earn money from others. It was, and and I think like if you died and you were like then that that sim was gone and you had to like start anew or something like that. I don't remember the you the, could the you couldn't go make it, ambrosia. But... Making ambrosia is like one of my favorite things, even though it takes level ten and like four skills. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't even remember ambrosia. I mean, like I remember it now that you bring it up, but it was definitely yeah. not anything I ever like dealt. Because I I would also for the most part I just turned aging off um, once okay. we got it, like once aging became a thing in Sims Two. Um, because I was like, I don't want my characters to like grow old and die of old age. I just want them to be Sims forever, <laughs> and just like, I if my characters grow old and die, they can't become superheroes. Um, so what? What's the like? I don't. I don't want to be confined to the thirty-five days I get them as adults or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I just so like yeah. make using that to make like a story in my head that would never be told because no one watches you play Sims. But I would make it so, like, these two parents would have this beautiful kid, and then the parents would die tragically. And then I would make the kid want to resurrect their parents. They didn't say that, but that's how it was in my head. So I would make them go through all the trouble of... I think The Sims 4 was the hardest one to do it, because you had to get... I think it's the angelfish you needed. I think there was, like, an orchid involved. There was a weird plant that you had to go to another town to get. And then you had to resurrect them, and you had to befriend the ghost and feed it to the ghost, and she would resurrect her parents. And it would be all fairly anticlimactic once it happened, but in my head it was like the most beautiful quest of a teenager trying to resurrect her parents. (laughs) That it was all worth it. And uh, that was another one of my little stories, where I would just invent these stories that would never be told, but now it is. Yeah, it's you you touch on an interesting point there. I'm curious, and obviously... I don't. I'm not like in tune with the the streaming communities necessarily, but I would I would be very curious what this game would have looked like had it come out initially. Like had those first Sims games come out mm-hmm. at a time where Twitch was a thing, and like I'm sure there would be, and I'm sure there are Sims for Twitch streamers out there or something. But I like... there's a handful, but a lot of them is just builds. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would literally love to see someone make a story out of it. But then there's the whole problem of, like, going to sleep, going to the bathroom, and you're just like, wait, guys, got to wait for this to happen before we can proceed with the story. Yeah, and there were, I mean, there were, at the time, that was when, like, I first got introduced to things like Red vs. Blue, even though I never, like, Mm -hmm. I was never watching it. I got introduced to, like, people making videos out of their Sims um, stuff, especially with Sims 2, yeah. where they gave you like a video mode, and it was people would yeah. do weird things in so Sims cool. and make short comic videos, short funny videos and stuff. I was like, oh, that like those are people who have way more time and are way more like creatively dedicated to that idea than I would ever be. Like I, I will come up with the fun stories in my head, and I would do this is like the 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 most exposure I've ever really had to a modding community was I would in the first Sims, I would. Um, like, I would download um, editors or something, and I would, like, recolor items, like furniture and stuff, and build, 
uh, create like save them and give them like descriptions and I would make jokey fun descriptions of the items <laughs> um, and, and like make sets of like oh this the chair in the game is like a blue chair but I took all of that like family of chairs and made them pink or something like that and gave them like simish kind of names and simish stories um, for just the item descriptions and those were just dumb little things that I just did for myself. Um, but it's like, so I w- fun. It was. It was. It was fun. It. It. I mean, it gave me an extra personal f- connection to to uh, to the games. But it was. I would never take the time to become like a video editor of Sims videos and do like yeah. The, like people the made music videos and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, there are some very talented people out there. So I'm curious. I, I would be very curious to see what. Cause, I mean, like, even just thinking about it, it seems like it would be a great kind of Twitch game, because even if you are, like, yeah, okay, my characters are sleeping for the next six hours, that's a good time mm-hmm. to check in with the chat and, like, visit yeah. with people while, you know, you, you turn it on to, like, level three um, uh, cheetah speed or whatever. And, and If there was, like, enough of an audience for it, I would go back and love to redo, like, make my alien town again and just have people see that odd progression of insanity I just feel like that would be so fun, or even just to do, like, a quick time-lapse of it, mm-hmm. of just seeing the town, like, all the humans just dropping, like, flies, and all these aliens rising to power, in, and, like, I had them be, I think you could be president, or it was, like, CEO, or something, of a big company, and then, like, all the cops, and just make the whole town just aliens! Yeah. Yeah, it'd be... I think it'd be super fun. It, like, I'm... Part of me is very glad it didn't come out at the time of like streaming, because uh-huh. I feel like the the game and streaming and me would be in a very different place, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and like the industry. But uh, it's it's definitely yeah, like what if it's a very it's a very interesting what if kind of world scenario because yeah like it it seems ripe for YouTube videos and and that kind of stuff of like. Oh, here's a here's a fun little thing I did, but it is much more like it takes time to do all of those things in this game. Yeah. It isn't just a oh here's a funny five minute clip of something that I did because you can get that funny five minute clip. Like everybody can do it. Yeah. It is the like building out an entire town of alien people that takes six months. That's the like that's the funny journey um, that you can't get in a five minute clip video. Um, yeah, like, those are my two polar opposites, is, like, the time I dedicated to Black Ops 2 and the time I dedicated to The Sims. It's like, I definitely can't put 15 minutes into one, but then I probably didn't play the other one for 12 hours straight. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I could play The Sims for 12 hours straight. Black Ops, I've done it. When we were competing, um, I probably couldn't ever do it again. My eyes just hate it. And I just, I, I don't feel like the muscle memory is still there, but my ability to completely track the screen and know what's going on at any given time, I can't do it. But The Sims, you could pause it. That's great. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts on on The Sims before we dive into? I want to go play it when we're done. That's, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> talking about it. We're... I have The Sims 4 on my Mac, and I'm working on my taking over the town and making them all my kids. Your Lothario And I feel like run. I need to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. My beautiful the, the little Casanova, utopia of children. The Casanova playthrough is what I'm gonna what I'm gonna call that one. <laughs> that is excellent. That is excellent. That's exactly what it is. 
Nice. So I want to go do that now after. Well, there, there you go. I'm glad, uh, glad I was able to, to kind of spark that memory for you. Um, excellent. Uh, topic three, let's dive into The Office. The, the American television Just, show, yeah. The Office. Uh, My favorite show of all time. It is an excellent show. What makes it stand out for you? What are some of the, like, because when you, when you brought this up, I was like, okay, awesome, excellent. I love the show. Any, uh, do you, is it just the American one? Is it the British one? Uh, and you it, were yeah, like, no, it's just, definitely just the American, American one. Fuck, fuck David Brent. Yeah. The, the British one, I guess, is lost on me. Um, it's not, my favorite thing about The Office is how out, it, it's definitely outdated, but it also holds up. Like, there's things about it that are outdated, but it's always going to be timeless to me. Like, all these characters, we all know one of them, or some of them, or all of them. They all have experiences you can relate to. The humor is is exactly me. Michael Scott, with his ability to make people extremely uncomfortable and say the wrong thing at the wrong time all the time, he is the most beloved character, I think, that has ever been written. After Goodbye Michael season seven, they lost me. I just, I couldn't carry on. This was like a family I'd been with for seven years. And when Michael was gone, I just, I was, I didn't give it a chance. And maybe that makes me like a bad fan. But I was such a fan of that family of people. And when they brought in the new characters, like I was like, oh, I don't want new characters. But it made everything even better. Right now we're just in... I think it's season we just started season four i was watching it before you called mm-hmm. and i it just it means so much to me and then michael and jen just got back together and she got her fake boobs and that was like one of my favorite episodes because he's trying out he's trying to figure out how to not get back together with her and then she just walks in and he's like we need to get back together mm-hmm. and i it's a show i cry at it is a show that just seems so real to me there's no makeup on these people they, they look like your average people in an office. It inspired me to want to work in an office, which, wow, isn't that setting the bar low? That's, that is, and, <laughs> and like, I don't know why you, why you would look at that and be like, I want to be Dwight. <laughs> That's what I want. I'm like, I want to work there. I want to be Creed. Like, I want to have a fake blog that's on a work doc, a Word document, and think people actually read it. Every time Pam cries, I weep because it just seems so real. And you can't fake these emotions. Like, she, they are just some of the most real characters. Where on one hand, I'm like, whoever wrote this is unbelievable. I don't know how you wrote this person. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I know this person. Like, I know this person. I've worked with this person. I'm friends with this person. This is real. These stories are real. It's a show where you can't tell me it's fake. I know it's real. And it just, it has so much heart and so many dumb moments where it is literally a show about how cringeworthy people can be. But then there's Pam's art show where no one shows up, but then Michael shows up and he's blown away by her drawing of the office and she gets all emotional because yeah, he sucks and yes, he's awful and he says the stupidest things, but he showed up and he liked her art and she hugs him and then asks if he has something in his pocket because you couldn't just let it be a beautiful moment. <laughs> and it, it just touches me and there's so many episodes I love and the, the Pam and Jim from the beginning to the end of how they go from 
we want to be together till we can't tour with other people to now there's a baby. And it's just, it's all so beautiful. And I get very emotional with this show. I think I've watched it. I think this is our my ninth um, run through of it. And this is David's first and he's enjoying it. It's not his kind of humor because he gets like uncomfortable with cringe a little bit. I live for cringe humor. Mm. I am cringe humor. And I just, it's, it's beautiful to me and it's it's topical even when it's not because it's still relatable even if it's old i love the show yeah no it's i mean uh off the office definitely touches on like universal um like universal office stories so there is yes there is very much it it was never it is a very evergreen show in that yeah like the technology that you're looking at is gonna is gonna look old eventually, like or the computers mm-hmm. and stuff that they're looking at, or or the fact that they're like they actually have handsets or something like that. You might not find in a modern day office, but they the the stories and the the characters are very archetype <coughs> archetypal um, kind of tropey characters, but that just makes them relatable and easily identifiable. Um, yeah, I've, like I've. I, I work in an office and I have, uh, I am, I feel like I'm probably the creed of my office at this point. Like I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm totally the gym. It's like, no, I'm, I'm the weird guy that like people mostly avoid. Um, either that or I'm, I'm the Oscar. I'm probably the Oscar. <laughs> um, I love Oscar. Like Stanley is like the unsung hero of he doesn't say much. He doesn't get a lot of screen time. When he does talk, I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Stop. We just got into might... the episode where we're at the beach and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I might even be Stanley because I'm definitely like the one around my office who just kind of rolls my eyes at everything around me. I just keep my head down and do my job. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it, it is very, um, like, it, very relatable, absolutely, of, of a show. Um, I was, uh, when you brought it up, I was just watching. Uh, so, also this week, um, uh, Chili's revoked their ban of Pam Beasley on Twitter. Uh, yes, Jenna Jenna Fisher tweeted out like in front of a Chili's like, "Should I go in?" And then Chili's like responded and got in on the joke and said, "We Which breaking news: beautiful. we've officially revoked the ban on Pam Beasley." <laughs> I was like, "Yes!" Um, so I went back and watched that episode, the uh, the Dundies uh, from that first season. I was like, "God, this like this was this is a good show." Um, it uh, like I watched that. I watched. Um, the the dunder olympics from those early seasons like i love that like i would watch uh, like they they got taken down um but there was a time where i would watch like uh they like they were jam they were called jam moments and it was basically like every episode it would just kind of like boil down the episode to like the jim and pam moments in that episode um in the the first handful of seasons and so they'd be like little three five minute videos and it was just like yes this is like i don't have the time to watch the whole the whole season but i can watch like a season's worth of jim and pam episodes in like an hour and like get that like heart swelling emotion from those those early seasons where it was like like they, they their relationship to me just seemed more genuine and believable than any relationship i've ever seen in any movie or show mm-hmm. like this was like these are two real people who just happen to be on a show mm-hmm. they love each other no they don't but i in my heart of hearts they do yeah yeah no it's it, like i and it was uh, uh, Joey Noel uh, tweeted out uh, uh, I don't know last week or something, um, basically saying like uh, all of my all of my relationships are uh, like horribly screwed skewed because of like seeing Jim and Pam. It's like yep, that's like I definitely find myself 
wanting a Pam kind of relationship uh, to to a me as a gym, and I'm like, oh, that's like I'm not gonna find that at work. I'm not gonna find that like in my normal day to day. So it's given me unrealistic expe- expectations. Thanks, thanks, Daniel. Sure. Yeah, jerk. Jerk. It's there's there's so many like just bits in that show. Like even when Michael says something, it's like cringeworthy or just completely wrong, and Jim just looks over at the camera. Like you don't do that on TV, but when he does it every time, like I agree, this is fantastic. I'm just like I don't I don't know if that's quite right. Don't know if you could say that, but it's just it's such a good show to me with so many memorable moments. It even has great callbacks to other seasons where you're like, oh, this is for me. Like, they put this in here to remind me of, like, two seasons ago of, like, I'm still watching this and this is totally for me and I remember this. Yeah. All the weird uh, relationships, like Dwight and Angela, it's it, perfect. Yeah. That's, like, it. it's definitely interesting watching, like, the early seasons, rewatching the early seasons, and then, like, recognizing where where they go with characters um, or like when they started figuring out characters, like you, uh, mm-hmm. the the, uh, the office and uh, and Parks and Rec was the same in this. Like they both started out with a weird six episode like mini season, as mm-hmm. basically like a test at the end of a season to like kind of throw in some time. And both of those like there are moments, but there are mo- also moments where it's like oh they don't know what they're doing yet. Um, yeah, like the 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 office being the the like the most notable because the first episode of the office is a beat for beat copy of the first episode of the British office, just with a couple like minor tweaks. Yeah. Um, and it just, it like, it doesn't feel right because it's new character, new actors trying to bring that same flavor. Um, but then they start kind of, when they start finding their own voice in seasons two and, and on, uh, it's like, Oh, okay. Now, like now they're running on all cylinders. Now they've figured out that like Mindy Kaling is a very funny actress and doesn't need to be like hidden in the back um so you can bring her kind of the forefront and you can give her this weird arc with um with ryan um where it's it just becomes the recurring thing of like together not together kind of the nightmare of that relationship (laughs) um yeah that's like even that like ryan is one of those characters i always on the show is like i don't i don't get why this is a like why he's (sighs) i get that he's a writer on the show and maybe that's why they put him in the show but like yeah, it, there are some good moments in there, and like watching the the Dundies or whatever, and, and Michael's infatuation with him in those early years. <laughs> it never stops. It is it is that like cringe, and it's but it but at some point I was just like I feel like I and what it really was for me is I I, I was always like I feel like he should not be one of the five in the opening credits. It was yeah, like, I love was, how it's like oh you see thing. Michael, Jim, and Pam, and B J Novak. You're like why? Yeah. That w- that's really what it was. It was like, okay, like, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't mm-hmm. belong, and it's Ryan the Temp. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, even that was, like, calling back to the the British show's roots, um, where the Temp, you know, it, like, you could kind of carry out a show about, or with a Temp for the, for the two seasons of 12 episodes or whatever, um, in that, that just didn't translate necessarily, um, to the American like twenty three episode season or, or whatever, um, but yeah, so like absolutely like a ton of great bits. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, Kyle Kyle O'Connor, uh, formerly of IGN now of Twitch, uh, I follow him on on Twitter. 
uh, he's a community manager and stuff, and he he's like watching through The Office for the first time. He's oh, in wow. I think season three or season four or something, and tweeted out the other day of like um, how Kevin is like secretly the best character in there. In that yes, show. And, and I had seen like a BuzzFeed article that that Aaron I think had posted on Facebook. Uh, Aaron Thatcher had posted like a day or two earlier about like here are seventeen times that Kevin was secretly the best. And, uh, and it was, like, just some beautiful, great moments of his, like, when he spills his chili on the floor and, like, <laughs> ultimate, ultimate cringe moments and stuff. Um, uh, like, watching, uh, or, like, or it, like, him getting distracted and counting where he's, like, 67, 68, 69, <laughs> 70, 71. <laughs> um, just, yeah, I even great. like the episode where I think it's like the first time Holly visits, maybe, and the whole episode she thinks Kevin is handicapped. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's like, "Oh wow, that's so great! I didn't know you could drive." He's like, "I could drive." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So just like every character in there started out as kind of like a one joke thing, and that still mm-hmm. throughout kind of like becomes their essence. But the the subtle flavors that kind of get added to everybody uh, over time, like I mean, Daryl's one of my favorites, and I'm so glad that like mm-hmm. Craig Robinson has kind of like broken out in in the wider scheme of the world uh, since. But like he, like he was basically such the anti Michael that I was like, yes, every time you are on screen, I just want you to like bat against Michael and fight that. Like when and Michael's wearing a woman's suit, Michael has yes. the woman's suit on, and he's like, is that a woman's suit? Oh, it was one of my favorite episodes. It's like yeah. a Liz Claiborne. Yeah, the the uh, uh, I think I've told the the story on uh, on on here before. But uh, when I worked for uh, CBS, um, we had like some crazy shit go down one night, and like a drunk uh, drunk woman basically got tackled by the assistant manager and like held down until like police arrived to because she was like he says she threw a punch at him. I didn't see it. Um, I just saw him, like, tackle her and take her to, down wow. to the ground, and then her tube top came down, and so her boobs are just oh. down there on the ground, and it's like, this is really awkward and uncomfortable, and I looked at the security camera and mugged so much that night that the the day shift the next day um, was like, you were, like, you were Jim, like, just looking at the camera and being like, <laughs> like, like, being, it, it, like, he was Michael Scott, and I was Jim, and the security camera was the office crew. Uh, watching and us. she and, was like Meredith. Oh yes, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was so so weird, but that was like one of the highlights of that really shitty job was just the the fact that like I did it, figuring nobody was gonna like watch those security footage things, but the fact that they did and then they talked to me about it the next day, like it was hilarious. Like watching you react to to everything that was going on, I was like, oh, thanks. I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad <laughs> I was able. To- I'm glad I was able to put on a show for you guys because it was really weird being there. <laughs> um, I just, I can't believe how much I love that show. And every time I rewatch it, there's like something else I've missed. And even though, like you said, these characters, like you know what to expect from them, but they never disappoint. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can usually always guess how different characters are going to react to the situation, but sometimes you're wrong. And even when you're right, it's incredible. And I've also found that. I think I just lost my train of thought. Also, I did. <laughs> uh, then uh, tangent into what are some of your uh, what are your some of your favorite episodes? 
favorite episodes, definitely the one that had a musical intro. I don't even remember if it was the episode where they all go see um, Andy do Sweeney Todd, but they did do like a musical intro and that resonated with me and I loved it. Nice. I also like um, the episode where um, Jim and Michael... And I already forget her name, but it's the girl from Parks and Rec. Karen? I forget. Karen, yeah. They're all interviewing for the same job. And that's also the episode where Jan finds out she's getting fired. And it's the episode where Jim leaves Karen. I just saw that one very recently, so it just pulled at my heart. And mm. it was fantastic. Yeah, the the ending of that episode is one of my one of my favorite of like any TV moments ever. Um, where like Pam's doing her confessional and and like she's like you know i really hope he gets it it's like he's worked hard i think he'd be a good fit and then like jim just knocks it and is like hey you want to grab dinner and and it just like cuts back to her and she's like sorry what were we talking about <laughs> and like and her see, eyes are like tears all in her red eyes. yeah yeah that like that <laughs> is a build-up to four seasons of of them and uh, and it's like yes finally we're finally getting it you're not drawing it out anymore we're finally gonna get jim yeah. and pam thank you like, uh, I don't even know if I have favorite episodes. I just have so many favorite bits. And even something that has to do with the show but isn't in the show. Mm-hmm. I've watched it so many times, but all the auditions of other people who audition for these beloved characters and that panic, even when I watch it, of, like, what could have been or what couldn't have been. Like, Seth Rogen did an audition for that. Um, the, the crazy girl from Step Brothers could have been Pam or maybe even Jan, and just seeing, like, I almost didn't have this person be this character. And then you see, like, the actual actors auditioning, and you're like, they were the character before they were even on the show. Like, their audition is just so perfect. That was it. Like, that was the character, and it it just hits me every time I watch those audition tapes of, like, this really could have been a different show with just characters that... It was written, like, perfectly, but just the wrong person could have been in that role. And that's one of my favorite things is, like, even seeing Dwight's audition, seeing that that could have been, I think it was, it might have been Seth Rogen. I'm like, that wouldn't have worked. No, I don't want that show. That's, I, I've <laughs> not, I don't think I've really uh, ever looked at those, so I'll have to seek them out, the, the alternate audition videos. That's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool, because then at the end of the video, it shows, like, the actual characters auditioning, and, like, this is perfect. Like, this... They didn't even have to tweak it for the show. Like this is exactly who they were, and it's so great. I mean, Dwight. Dwight is a character where every time you're like, "This is awful." Like this person is just the worst kind of person, but you love Dwight. And even in the episode where for two seconds he is like the manager at the office and he paints the whole room black and he <laughs> cries when Michael gives him the like the offer letter. I cried too because I'm like, I hate you, Dwight. But I'm so happy for you. Your dreams are coming true, too. That's fine. Um, and I, I uh, even love, like, everyone in the office can't stand Michael, but there's so many episodes where they all, like, come together for him if he's having a bad time. Like, when the bird died, and he was really upset about the bird, even though it was about, like, an ex-boss that had actually died. They all thought it was stupid, and they don't want to do the stupid bird thing, but they all pull together for Michael, even at the Dundies. Mm-hmm. They they pull together and they just you know we can't stand our crazy boss but He's our he crazy has so boss. much heart and he also like more often than not he means well and they they all know that even if they can't stand him and that's like one of my favorite things too 
yeah, seeing he's never, them all like, just pull together. He's never intentionally trying to be mean. Um, yes, and that's that's what that's what um, Steve Carell was able to really tap into is that he's he's never he's just oblivious. He's they, yeah. there's never malice in his heart. It's it's just um, he's just stupid. <laughs> um, yes, like he's never never malicious. Even on like there was like the I think um, like the racial awareness day. He says the most terrible things, and they're incredibly racist, and telling Stanley to sit in the back of the bus or drive the bus on the yeah. beach day. You're like, oh, okay. But you're like, oh, it's just Michael. It's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorite recurring bits were uh, were all of, like, the gym pranks. Do you have any uh, uh, yes. gym pranks on Dwight? Do you have any favorites there? Um, when he comes in, dresses Dwight. That's, that is I mean, even... that is a classic, yeah. <laughs> When that happened, I was like, "Bears, bears are bears better than beats." beats. So Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, Michael. One of my favorites. It's and it's a subtle one. Um, is the like where he Pavlovian conditions him to like respond to the like the Windows um, error message or something like that, and it's like mint. And, and like and every time mint, that comes yeah. up, he's like mint. And then <laughs> and then at some point, um, like he just dings it and and dwight's like uh he sticks his hand out he puts his hand out i didn't get it in view of the camera um and and jim's like what and and dwight's like i don't know Um, suddenly my mouth feels disgusting it's 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 such a subtle one and like i'm i'm sure it went over so many people's heads um to like to recognize what was like what he's doing in that, but it was like it's it's one of my favorites alongside the uh, the one where, where he puts like the more overt one of of uh, D- uh, Jim puts like all of Dwight's stuff in the vending machine, <laughs> including <laughs> Dwight's wallet. <laughs> I like, love when he is doing the one where he's tricking him into thinking he's a vampire. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, this it's garlic so, bread is white so hot. Cold. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's like every, it's every one of those is just and it's like it it sucks because you get like you get to a point in later seasons where they knew they'd run out of like really good ones and so they don't want to they don't ever want to like submit one that's not gonna get like the water cooler buzz yeah. and people talking about it so they they just like stopped doing them for a long time until they did come like they would come up with like a really good one in in like uh, like late seven or eight or something like like in the late seasons they would bring them back every now and then um uh it was but yeah it's like the like that's another like montage clip video that i love just i'll i'll occasion just like google on youtube or something and i'll just be like jim dwight pranks and i'll just watch videos of that for you know a good half hour or something just to like uh the <coughs> jim wrapping his entire desk in uh in wrapping paper and then it's just like there's nothing there <laughs> it's like and the stapler and the jello like oh, that I mean, even yeah, that's, that's episode one, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like when, and then like that getting callbacks like you were talking about earlier in in later seasons and stuff. Yeah, it's there. There are just good good moments in it. Like because it's it's Jim uh, when Jim does that to uh, to Ed Helms' character to Andy, um, and he puts and Andy like freaks out and has like a completely horrible reaction. <laughs> it's like oh okay, this is who Andy is now. We now know who Andy is because we've seen yeah. this moment with Dwight, and we now know Andy is just unhinged. Cool. I love when Andy puts his whole fist through the wall. Yeah. He's like, now I have to go to management training. It's yeah. anger management, but yeah. it's still and management. Really, and really it's I'm going to go film hangover or something like that. But but yeah, it's yeah. It, like that was 
like Andy is one of those characters that like interested me. I didn't know how he was going to fit in. And then they like bring him into the rest of the office. And I'm like, he doesn't fit in. And then because he was at Helms and had like the star level, that's who they made the de facto Michael after Michael left. And I was like, this, like they're trying to make him too much like Michael. Yeah. I could already, I just, I gave up like undercut that by the other things they've given that character that he does have anger and malice in him and and like pettiness that michael didn't have so when he does the same things that michael would do it just doesn't resonate the same way um yeah like michael is one of my favorite characters from anything because he's just like so naive and like there's no comparing him and you can't make another michael so don't try it just make a different character altogether with that when michael left i was like this is fine like this is my conclusion I'm okay if the story ends here. I don't need more. Like, it ended just the way I needed it to. I cried because it was beautiful. Yeah. that's was, was, It was, was a perfect story. That's That was another one of the Kevin moments in that BuzzFeed article. It was like, we're going to Colorado. Cuts to Kevin. All of us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I love I love that show. Even yeah. the different weddings. The casino night was great. Yeah, casino night's like, one of, one of the, the all-time classics for me. Um, basically anytime you got like Pam and Jim together before Pam and Jim were together, um, was like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, we're so close. Come on, keep, uh, and then, and then friggin' casino night ends and Jim's like, I need to leave and goes to, uh, to the other branch for half a season. It's like, no, you, you, you brought, you brought us so close and now they're so far away. I know the end of that season, you're like, oh, my dreams have come true. And then you're like, oh, they smashed all my dreams. But then yeah. they started playing Call of Duty, so I was okay for a bit. Yeah. So I was like, this is cool. And that's when he becomes Big Tuna, which was funny to me. Yeah. And oh, man, that sh- there's just, I can forget stuff. And then immediately, like, you bring something up. I'm like, I have a million things more that I love about that show. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it was just, it was so genuine and it was, like, unapologetic. I had a uh, a show that I wanted, like, uh, I basically, when I worked, because I worked at Sam's Club and I worked at Costco for uh, for combined, like, four or five years, and I was like, I want to create an office-like show that is this, in, in this environment, in this retail environment, mm-hmm. uh, and it was basically, like, it was called, it was Cart Crew, effectively, and it's like, you follow um, the team of cart people, but you've also got all the people inside the store, you've got the door greeters, you've got the cashiers, you've got management, um and uh and do it kind of mockumentary style and just take all of the stories that you you amass like working in that environment working in retail be it the stories that you have like between character between um you know departments or between a a, you know worker and a customer like there is endless fodder there Uh, and i basically even came out with like okay like here's a season's worth of ideas that i just never Like, I'm not in a position where I could ever, like, pitch that to anybody. And now there's this show called Superstore on NBC, I think, or something like that. I see, like, commercials yes. for it every now and then. I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm pretty sure that's probably my idea that I had, like, like to seven or eight years ago. And it's probably exactly what they're doing and shit. <laughs> um, You're like, I had this idea. Yeah. Um, it's I think it's more, like, sitcom-y format. Um, but, yeah, it's still, it's it's very much like, oh, if I if I'd, like known the right people i could have made that neat um but it like i mean it, it helps 
the idea that like oh i had a good idea neat that that they did turn yeah you're like oh that reinforced that i it was a good idea yeah like i had like the there was like the one of the characters was basically like the door greeter who's borderline senile um so he's he's basically creed but um occasionally gives you like gems of wisdom and and good advice and stuff like that nice um as the as the main character but other times he's just like completely off the wall very creed style and stuff um yeah I think the mockumentary thing in the office, without that, it wouldn't be as good of a show. Like that is one show where it was so good with just like the the little bits talking to the camera and stuff mm-hmm. where the show would be so different without that. Yeah. Well that's I mean so that's good. and that's like one of the big things and why that that became kind of an overwhelming um, format in the in the genre is because you can tell two stories at the same time, um, by doing mm-hmm. that. You can have the the character telling like with dialogue while you're showing a joke that either reinforces it or completely contradicts what they're talking about um, that you can't get just showing the moment or something uh, it, it, it so that's why you see it in like modern family and and it continued on you know obviously with Parks and Rec and, and stuff so it's it definitely like they recognized I think what they had with that and kept going it was weird when they in in the late season did you did you just completely stop watching after Michael left? I did. I would so jump you've, you've in for like the... a random episode. Like okay. I've seen the stuff with Will Ferrell here and there, mm-hmm. and it just it wasn't. It, it like tainted it for me a bit. So I was like, no, I'll just leave it where it was, okay. and uh, I just stopped it there. So, so you so you're you're like nine times through. It's like you always just stop at that point. Um, yeah, it's like goodbye, and... Michael. I'm like goodbye, Chelsea. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> nice, interesting. Um, cause it, it, one of the, in the, in the last season or two, like they made a big deal of how like, oh, Hey, like when's this thing actually coming out? And, and they like referred to and made, um, made self-referential humor to the fact that it is being filmed and it is a documentary that does finally get released in like the finale. That's or awesome. Like that. Um, but it, yes, it caused weird like things in the last season. Cause in, cause, uh, like Jim and Pam are having troubles in the last season or something like that, and Pam, like the, what, like one of the boom operators or something, starts flirting with Pam and becomes a character in the show for the first time. Like for the first time, one of the like that's weird documentary crew people becomes a character, and it was it was a very like people got pissed off because like Jim and Pam don't have problems. They like they're the kind of couple that would communicate with another. It's not gonna be Pam talking to this boom guy yeah. or whatever and so like people and pam has never been shitty why would pam get shitty all of a sudden yeah. it was it was like it's it's been a while since since i watched some of those late late episodes and stuff but it was like jim jim was going off and doing trying to like do his own entrepreneurial thing with some people without talking to pam about it and so it was like these these are not these characters like they would not make giant life decisions without talking to an to one another and so yeah because even it, when they were just friends they talked to each other about their big life decisions so it yeah. wouldn't make sense yeah so it was it's stuff like that in those last seasons that kind of rings hollow but it was an interesting like they acknowledge they decided to bring it full circle and say oh yeah like we've been shooting this thing for 10 years and here's you know and and like when it airs it's basically like the like snippets from like the pilot or something like that is is kind okay. of what they um like and and like the whole office gets together to like watch it together um at at like um poor richards or something like that um 
It was a, it, like it was a cute little send off, and they and mm-hmm. they they have some touchstones in those final in those seasons. Like um, uh, Scott, uh, Michael comes back for for a cameo at at uh, when Dwight and Angela get married and stuff. Um, so you get to see him like interacting with everybody That's again after, for the first time after a couple of years. And uh, I don't. I don't even remember now. I don't think he comes back for the finale. I think that was like his finale, which was like a few episodes before okay. the the actual end, because he didn't want to. Like he was like, this show stopped being about me two years ago. I don't want to come back and make the final episode. And make me it again. about me, yeah. Um, so it was, which was is probably good. what people wanted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm certainly yeah. Um, but they got that with you know with a with a mm-hmm. Dwight finale kind of episode. The thing. Um, Even just thinking of, like, when you said Jim goes off to do his own thing, when Michael went off to do his own thing out of his condo and brought Pam, mm -hmm. and on the first day he sits down in his robe wide open, you just get, like, the blurred spot in his genitalia. I I think I rewatched that, like, ten times, because it was just so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Office filled with great moments. Um, Excellent bloopers, too. That show's bloopers are so fantastic. Of just yeah. knowing how how many of your favorite bits probably took about fifteen or twenty tries before finally the cast stopped laughing mm-hmm. and just like let it happen before just bursting into tears. There's so many where there's like a slight pause where like okay they got it and then everyone just falls apart and you're like I would have too. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way you can hold it together. Yeah. So many funny bits. I always enjoyed the uh, anytime they would go to the Michael Scarnwell. Um, <laughs> Either, either yeah. like him doing improv, where every time he's in improv, he just pulls out a gun. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, boom. Dead, dead. Um, or, or like the screenplay that he wrote, and then he like what he like he does. He basically did a find and replace yeah. for Dwight, but but he at spelled one point, it. He spelled Dwiggit at one point. <laughs> so they're like, wait, who's who's Dwiggit? And uh, yeah, just great, great cutaways to to like to Jim basically explaining, like, we're pretty sure this is what happened. Yeah, um, twigged. I don't want to read this anymore. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah, just such a such a great show. I'm trying to think, like, was, like, were Gabe and Aaron around um, in those, yeah. those seasons? Okay, like, they came they came super late. Because, um, like, I, I definitely don't think I've even seen every episode, because I, I had fallen out of it, like, watching it kind of weekly before Michael even left. But I went through, like, I would get it on, like, DVD and stuff, and, and I think I have the whole mm-hmm. set on DVD, and I would watch The fact that it's on Netflix just makes it so easy. Yeah, and that's that's what I did the other day. I popped on Netflix, and I was like, I'm going to watch a couple, like, standout episodes that, that, uh, that I know I'm going to remember. I know I'm, I'm going to get, like, flashbacks of memories and stuff. Um, but I definitely, like, I walked away from that instead choosing to watch, like, Parks and Rec for, for the last couple seasons mm-hmm. of The Office, checking in every now and then. For, for like a, a, a rare episode but like most of the stuff with James Spader his season I didn't pay attention to at all um, and then yeah like they yeah they, they did like a I want to say in like the final season they did a bit like the scrubs the new class kind of thing where it was like okay mm-hmm. here's like the new interns in the office or something like that and it was like three new young and up and coming comedians but it's like don't don't try like don't rob the other characters of time by throwing in completely yeah. new characters that you want us to get invested in in this last season. It's not, I don't, I'm not going That's to, it's not odd. going to happen. You're going, you're, you're wasting time that you could spend on these other characters with these new characters. Um, I think 
like I every time I see a show do that, I'm like, I hate like that's you're putting like you can you can like sprinkle in new characters like one or two kind of over the course of a season maybe and not like mm-hmm. disrupt the flow. But when it is like here's four new characters that have joined the cast this season and you have to start liking them immediately. Um, and I find that such a lazy way to do it. Like, you didn't creatively write them in, like, with Andy and Karen. You're just like, temps! Yeah. Yeah. It's not clever. Yeah. It's, it, so, I, I very much was fine to kind of switch off in those, in the late season of The Office. I mean, they still have, like, great moments uh, uh, occasionally um, from what I've seen, but by and large it was, I mean, like, you touch on, like, there's the office with Michael and then there's the office without Michael and it does yeah. feel like two very different dynamics because um, they didn't really know what to they didn't know where to go with it without Michael kind of as the, the leading the ship even though it like it seems like they should have because they had already come up with like so many side stories for so many characters it was very much a like Simpsons kind of thing where it's like oh okay we, yeah. like we have such a deep pool of great talent now we can tell a Stanley and and, uh, um, and Phyllis story, and like that can be the A line of the story, and we'll be fine. Like maybe I Michael just gets, I like, do find jokes. that hard because there was so many great side stories, but almost every side story revolved around like how does this affect Michael? How does Michael react to this? How does Michael affect this situation? Where you take Michael out, and it's just it's like missing that conflict. Michael was always the conflict in everything that was going like even jim and pam's relationship where like he spoils the secret right after jim tells him like i'm in love with pam and he's like oh everybody guess what he just seems like the one who drives a lot of these stories even though you're like oh this is completely about these two characters and like oh wait like michael has somehow intertwined himself into this or without him i don't know if the story would stand up as well well for me it definitely didn't which is why i backed out like a wimp but yeah it's it would be be interesting to now do a full run through of the show and and stick it out and see like wh- how like go through the rest of the this, the show and see what what they did with it in those final episodes as opposed to like checking in for, as as infrequently as I did at the end because um, yeah it's there there are still a ton of other great characters in that show even without Michael um, so I'm sure they have great bits and great moments. Yeah, uh, that are, are worth exploring and seeing, um, even if Michael's not there. Sad face. Cool. Very sad. Face. Any any final office moments? Who do you? Everybody should watch it. Everybody should watch <laughs> it. Who who do you hate in the office? Um. There is there is a correct answer. I feel like it's supposed to be Angela, but I also love Angela because she's awful. No, it's Toby. You, we, we all hate you Toby. You can't hate Toby. Toby is the worst. He's Michael not. Says He's... Toby is the worst. I love when Dwight, when Dwight asks him what the female vagina looks like. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> what is this? Where is the clitoris? <laughs> No, I mean like he's he's great, but yes, the, the I, I'm just. I'm supposed to the, hate him. The joke. Yeah. Toby is the worst. He is the like. I mean, did you? Uh, so we we, I I mentioned it briefly. Did you also watch Parks and Rec? I I watched like the first season. Okay. Um, I just I really liked Ron, and that was like as far as I could get with it. 
Ron, Ron is certainly a standout, and and it's it's a I would I would recommend giving it a, a shot, especially getting past that first season because it's it does that same thing like I said earlier where that the Office did where it's like it gives you six episodes and they don't quite know what they're doing with these characters yet, but then mm-hmm. you get into ep- you get into seasons two, three, and four, and that's some of in my opinion some of the best like consistently great comedic uh, television um, from a lot of the same team behind the I'll office. have to check it out. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you'd get a kick out of it. And it's I mean, same same kind of format. It is different, like, uh, different dynamics, different character dynamics. They, mm-hmm. part of the problem, I think, that they had with um, with uh, Amy Poehler's Leslie Nope in, at the beginning was that they were making her too much like Michael. And she is clueless. And, yes. And they, they course correct her and make her um, less clueless and much more, like, she's just overly optimistic it, in spite okay. of government being government, um, and so that's where her conflict comes in. In in those seasons, is it's like her having an idea, and knowing what's best, and then just fighting like the system, um, and and even her employees who are like, like they get behind her eventually in the same way that like the the team would get behind Michael. But it's very much they also a lot of times just do it like poking fun at her and at her expense. So I I think. I think it is a worthy show to follow up the office. I think you'd enjoy it. Um, I, I will. certainly did, um, and and it didn't have the same level of like huge fallout because like Amy Poehler never left the show. Um, uh, uh, oh crap! Now I'm forgetting his name. The guy who plays Ron Swanson uh, never leaves the show. They have a couple people come and go over over time, but okay. it was never like at that level. So even through the end, it like you can watch that show and it. Like there are episodes at the end of that show that feel as great as episodes at the beginning of that show. Um, oh, that's good then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think when you guys are done with this kind of run through, maybe give that one a shot. Um, I'll a, have to because David likes Parks and Rec, and I just I wanted him to watch The Office because I I watched it twice last year and I was like, well, I gotta watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, excellent. Yay, The Office. Woo. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic indeed. All right, let's uh, close out the show then with uh, topic number four, Trove Topics, uh, is where you can be part of the show and, and uh, tweet questions for the guest uh, and or myself uh, using the hashtag Trove Topics or just keep an eye out when I put out the weekly call for, for tweets and questions for, uh, uh, for, for the show at Snarky Starky. So um, up first we have Brandon Gann at GamesGann. Uh, pretty much always try and start with him whenever he throws out a question out there because uh, I know he's a su- huge supporter and fan of the show. So uh, thank you, awesome. Brandon, as always. Um, he asks, what is something you've always wanted to try but never got around to doing it? And he followed up. It can be about anything in that er- uh, anything in any er- area for clarification's sake. Anything you've always wanted to try but never have, never gotten around to? There's definitely a couple things. Um, something I've never tried, well, obviously didn't have the opportunity to, but that I've always wanted to do, just didn't have the means, was, like, be on a panel at some sort of show. After seeing so many panels at, like, Comic-Con, I saw the whole cast of Star Trek, or Rooster Teeth, just people talking about a beloved show that they've made and just answering those questions, or at PAX, like, learning how to get into the industry and seeing different people just give their experiences i've after seeing all of that i've always wanted to be the person sitting with the mic 
with a room full of people who are there to hear what you have to say because they want to get where you are. And it's not a vanity thing. It's more, I've been that person where, like, what you're telling me, I'm listening because you've made it. You're where I want to be. And I've just, I admire you. And I want to be that person who is talking to ears that are actually listening and helping people who actually want to be helped. Even if it's nothing to do with gaming, if it was about losing weight or becoming a more confident person, just I've, I've, I don't know, like spoken to people who just aren't listening before and to be in a room full of people who want to learn from you, I'd love to do that someday, be it about any topic. Yeah, that's something I'd like to do. I've always been shy about public speaking. But something like that, where it's like people actually want to listen to you and know more about your experiences and get advice, I, I think there's something very beautiful about that beyond just talking to a big room of people. Yeah, no, great. Um, I, um, as I, so I've done that, not in, not in like a PAX sense or anything, but I have been on panels for like uh, uh, my job before this one. I worked for uh, a musical theater. And I was like the database manager and ticketing manager. And there was a conference every year that was like everybody who used that software platform would get together in a, in a city and kind of talk about the best ways to utilize the platform and, and make cool. things work. And I, um, I attended it my first year, a few months in, I was like, Oh, like I'm, I'm good at public speaking. I would love to, you know, be a part of panels next year. So I had that same kind of experience. Like I was listening to people tell their stories and I was like, Oh, like we at Phoenix theater do, do great things and do like mm-hmm. I, I could come in and kind of share those stories um, myself and so the next year I was on like four panels um, uh, and and did that same kind of thing um, in in terms like a, so a recommendation I would have for you um, to possibly get into that um, would be uh, I, I'm sure like Austin's Austin's an interesting city because I'm sure you guys have like a bigger community um, but like we have, uh, like we have Phoenix Comic Con, um, and you can sign up to be a, like a, a moderator for a panel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so you can like I imagine other conventions will do the same. And it's you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get the panels that have like the cast of Star Trek right at the gate, but you might have yes. like you will be kind of moderating a panel um, with you know a couple other you know, a, a couple of comic book creators or something like that. And people will be there to ask questions and you kind of help facilitate the conversation as a way to kind of get your foot in the door on something like that might be interesting. Um, but I would also say that like in those smaller shows, you know, not, not a PAX or, or like an RTX, but um, if there is like a small Austin comic con or something like that, I'm sure um, uh, you and Joe and, and David and Frank could probably put together a like, um, like a, an on, uh, on the table, um, off the table. I forget off the table, right? On on the table, <laughs> on the table, o- off topic. On the table is, is what I what I get mixed up there. You guys could put together like a uh, a panel for that, and you know you like I'm sure they'd give you maybe a room of you know 50 people or something like that. But you yeah. might get the space for it, um, and and you could do that and invite friends or or people will just show up and, and kind of ask those questions. So. Like, Certainly, even just like, a cool um, little thing that happened in the past week, I think it was on, like, Wednesday, um, 
the panel that we went to, like how to make it in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. I have been talking back and forth with uh, Continue, the streamer, yep. and then Melissa, the one who was like almost went into porn. She didn't know what was going to happen. It ended up not being porn. It ended up being a great job. Yep. They both tweeted at me saying that like they want to do a panel with me. They don't know about what, but they're like, we need to do a panel, the three of us. Because I said, oh, you know, like, I love you guys. And randomly, Melissa tweeted at me. I don't know even what the context was on Wednesday. She was like, I really like you. And I, it wasn't in a response to a tweet. I didn't know what it was from. Oh, I, I so saw I was that like, well, I love I, both I of you. <laughs> I was like, I really love both of you. Like, where is this coming from? And then she did a whole thing. She's like, we need to do a panel together. And then continue. It was like, yes, I want to do this. Even if it never happens, because I don't know what I have in common with them where we would all be on a panel together aside from being women. But like even that just was a, a cool experience of, oh, they liked me and they want me to be on a panel. So if ever I make it into the industry, something in their field or I start streaming again, like, yeah, I'll hop onto a panel with them. Like that would be so cool because I looked up to them yeah. and sitting next to them would be like incredible because they both inspired me continue inspired me to just throw myself out there and melissa like made me feel better about it's okay to be weird people like listening to weird people just go for it say what you have to say the people who listen awesome and the people who don't like you you don't need them around and both those ladies are fantastic and i adore them absolutely yeah no like yeah melissa like sent me a friend friend request on facebook or something and i was like this is like because we had like she and i had some some twitter interactions and stuff and and I got a friend request. I was like, "Oh, this is, like this is weird. Okay, cool, sure." Um, You're like, "This is cool." <laughs> so yeah, she's like, I don't know if it's if it's that like she made like a mental note to follow up with people that like interacted with her at at Pack South or something. But yeah, it was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. like this is awesome. I like I I will relish this this kind of contact because I thought she did like bring some interesting uh, stuff to the table." And uh, yeah, I I thought everybody on that on that panel in particular was was great. Um, uh, so like a lot of it's information I've heard before because I've been to three or four of so those many. types of panels yeah. at this point. Um, but it's still like every time it's great to have it reinforced. And that pr- that panel in particular, um, and I wrote about it a little bit. Like I appreciated that it was all women on the panel, and I'm sure it was intentionally all women. Um, uh, Brittany Brombacher, who's at Blonde Nerd, uh, was supposed to be on that panel as well, uh, but ended up having uh, to cancel. Uh, a couple weeks before mm-hmm. um and uh and she's prov- like she gives a lot of the same kind of advice and it's i appreciate that it was all women but it wasn't like about being women in the industry it was like our experiences are pretty much yeah. just the same kind of experiences you would have if you were a guy up here on this panel but yeah the fact it that, was at that never seeing... did they ever say like how to make it in the industry as a woman they were right. like how to make it we made it yep. happened to be women yep exactly and that's so that was I, I appreciated that, um, knowing the the significance of something like that, um, and I like it's it's sad and stupid, but I also recognize that like if you had had a guy up on that panel, a lot of people in that audience would have just been listening to the guy's kind of take and um, not yeah. like not consciously not saying like dismissive of the women, but like they, just out that's, of habit, that's who yeah. they would have identified with more so. Um, just because of that Y chromosome, so uh, so the fact that it it wasn't about that, I think, um, was great. Um, so you want to be on a panel, I I encourage that, and I think 
uh, you totally make it happen. Um, I don't, yeah. It, it, like, it would be interesting to see, like, if, if you guys start doing more with, uh, with the YouTube stuff and, and streaming, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you'd totally be, I mean, like, PAX South, certainly of the PAXs, would be the one to break onto, uh, break onto yeah, the scene. Yeah, it's smaller. Because it's smaller, and yeah, you're, you're like, and, and even, even within, like, because every PAX, there are, like, three or four, like, sizes of, of panels, um, mm-hmm. And like so, Pack South can still accommodate a smaller panel. Like I, I mean, even a Pack West, I went to a panel that was probably like twenty people, but they gave them a whole giant room. Um, yeah. So if you guys can like land on a like, oh, this is an interesting topic, they'll consider it and, and maybe give you a give you the the space for it. Um, That's so, what I'm so yeah, torn like, with with what I am doing on YouTube. Is what I'm doing on YouTube is working. Um, I've gotten to like 400 subs in the, I think it'll be a month on the 16th that I've been doing it, but it's not in gaming. Mm -hmm. So like all of my friends are either streaming or doing YouTube content and I want to support everybody. So I liked when I was streaming that I could shout out or raid someone else. Or if I was doing something gaming on YouTube, like we can all mingle, but mine is so outside of everything our community and our friends are doing it's frustrating because like I want to go to PAX but that won't further what I'm doing or any of the connections that I've been making it it they're just great connections like it'll I, what I'm doing right now is so outside of still what my life revolves around that I feel very much like on the outside looking in where like I did twitch and it was fun but I like making a six minute video putting it out and seeing it go than what I was doing before which was like eight hours of twitch a day and it's it's long to dedicate that much time to trying to grow that exclusively it's hard yeah and it's but just even, it's it's not for me I just I liked it but it was just it's too hard to maintain it's very right, demanding so, so PAX might not be the show that you end up doing a panel on but you can mm-hmm. do a panel at VidCon like which which is gonna have which has a much broader focus um, and much more yeah. like you can I mean you can get you can do panels there that are like oh like I found an audience doing this kind of content um, yeah and uh, and that will speak to to people because that that aren't necessarily ga- it isn't necessarily a gaming show um, yeah it's just a bummer after like, being a gamer for so long like I just couldn't make it happen with gaming and I saw an area where like I can make this happen I know this audience I know how to work it so this will work for me and I was right but it's not in like it's where my heart is but I guess my heart split in two different places where one is where something is working and the other where I can't make it work but all my friends are there mm-hmm. but that, and that's like I would say I mean I would I would say if you can try and like it's okay that you you are in both of those worlds um yeah, it's just you, the, the time. Like, I put out four videos a week to split my time. Like, I was even going to do Twitch at the same time, but it's just, I also work full time. Yeah, and that's... Like, that's I have the, a nine to five. The ideal is you get to a point where, um, you know, one of them helps support the other, and you can maybe cut down yeah. on that, like, full time nine to five, and maybe shift down to a part time thing or a, you know, a, 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 a temp thing outside of that and those two become one of them becomes like your job that you love doing and so it's not even a job so much um yeah as a as like, I don't like think a possibility my, 
I think I still have my toe into gaming, and I'll never fully step out of that realm of wanting to work in that industry. But for now, like the only thing I can do that's successful on the internet so far is out of gaming. I'm also 24, so I, I'll give it a hot minute before I start freaking out that I'll never do something gaming related. But for now, like this, this is fine. Yeah, this is fine. Build, I mean, build an audience. Um, like it's, and it's okay that gaming is your like side thing or is your like your yeah. hobby. Like that's for most of us. That's that's the case anyway. Um, yes, that's true. Uh, that like. I mean, like, for certainly for people kind of in in like the the immediate sphere that I've kind of start, started finding myself in, like those of us that are doing podcasts are typically doing podcasts in the hopes that like we create a new thing or we we create a thing and we can use it to get into the industry. Um, yeah. But it's also fine to like just be a fan and just enjoy the gaming side of things and not that's not true. make it so like that's what your your focal point is it's like i i can i i can much more now go and enjoy theater or go and hate theater if i go and see but i i can go and see theater and because i'm not working in theater anymore i'm not sitting there thinking like oh could i have done that better or oh i've seen this person in this other thing and they're probably going to suck in this i like i'm so i'm so distanced from that now that i can i can just sit there and enjoy the thing for the thing and not have all of that other like oh if i was trying to work my way up in a theater these are the suggestions i would have made or these this is how i would have directed or something yeah. i can just be like i like, just want to I enjoy have, this thing i have two very dear friends who've made it through culinary school i will never go to a restaurant with either of those people again mm-hmm. ever yeah. even just complaining about plating i'm like eat the food just yeah. eat the food <laughs> like i get that maybe it's not the way you would have made it eat at home like eat at home it's okay i will not go out with those people anymore yeah i'm trying to sit here and think uh if there's like something i've wanted to try but never got around to doing um like i will it's a bit of a cheat because i've kind of done it but i would say flying um i and and i it's i say it's a cheat because i have flown a plane my uh my grandfather who i don't talk to anymore but um he has like a little four seater or something like that, like a little small plane that um, he took me up and like taught me to fly when I was like ten. Um, we would go up every so often, like we would fly from Phoenix up to you know Sedona or Prescott, like which is like an hour and a half by drive, but it's like fifteen twenty minutes if you fly up there. Um, uh, but like I never got around to like the landing or learning landing, or so I, like I'm not. I could have gone further and become like a licensed pilot. Um, and I just okay. got, I got wow. away from it, but it's something that like, it's something that still interests me, but I've also like, there are horror stories, like a guy I went to high school with, um, his family has, uh, has been devastated, destroyed because of plane crashes in their family. Like they, they were amateur That's pilots. That's really sad. And like one plane crash took two of his brothers or something. And then a few years later, a second, another plane crash took... Um, oh, took gosh. like the father and the third brother or something like that. It was it was like so I've seen like those stories. And it's like that's something I would never want to happen, um, and but it would be so I wouldn't become like a pilot like on the regular. But it'd be nice to fly up to Flagstaff for lunch every now and then, like my grandfather has for the last twenty years. Um, that's really neat. So that's uh, that's what I'm gonna go with. Uh, it's so it's it's something I've kind of done and gotten like a taste of. 
but never um, got around to doing it like with kind of any regularity or, or formal training or anything like that. Um, next up, Joe Ruffler at Ruff the D now. Ruffles, yeah. Ruffles the Destroyer with his rebranding. Uh, Ruff the D sounds very sexual. It does indeed. So, form- <laughs> formerly something games, um, now Ruff the D. Uh, asks, uh, <laughs> what's your most memorable experience with gaming? Um, and this, um, so this can be anything, if we touched on anything in particular in... Uh, um, yeah, in it's the, probably going to be throwing like, it back. When you Probably when you throwing it back to... to Chicago or whatever. Yeah, going to Illinois to go play Black Ops with a bunch of strangers who weren't strangers when I met them because I'd been talking to them for a year over a headset, mm-hmm. calling out different aisles and different code words and just making that a reality of, oh, these are just people on the internet. I will never meet them. It's not dating. Like, it was actually gaming. And in Montreal, it was really hard to find um, like-minded people I still to this day have never found a Rooster Teeth fan in Montreal, and none of my friends, once I left high school, still played games, let alone like online competitive shooters. So being just jumping in a plane and flying into another country and sitting in a basement, all of us with our consoles, six TVs, and not having to scream at each other, just sitting in a room and knowing where we all are and playing together... Like, I'll, I'll never forget that. I still talk to two of them. And they were just, it was the most amazing experience of finding, being in a room with like-minded people is what I find is, like, the hardest thing. Now it's easier because I know Joe, I know Frank, I have Christian. And, like, meeting you guys at PAX and Rooster Teeth where even the conventions are, like, not the most interesting part. It's being with like-minded people which is just so rewarding when I go to work, like no one's into the things I'm in. So you just, you're this other person who talks about food and TV and whatever. But when you get into a room of gamers, there's, I don't, I think there's almost nothing more rewarding than that of being with people who like exactly what you like. You can talk for hours with these people and all the same passions as you. And like, that's what drives me to keep being a gamer. Aside from the fact that the love of the games is, it's a very loving community, very opinionated community and quick quick to jump on things and get mad at stuff. But when it comes to the actual games, the love for games is there, despite the hate for things within these games and about these games. The love for gaming is, it's a very beautiful thing. And I like sharing that with people. Yeah, I would say, I mean, kind of echoing that, um, like going to the first kind of funny live experience for me probably... Um, is, is my standout because it was like even that that show was was never intended to be like oh I'm gonna go and make a ton of friends here it was I'm gonna go I'm gonna see this show because I like this the, these kind of funny guys mm-hmm. um, and I and I'm gonna go and do the games cast afterwards that was like that was my week and it was uh, like and maybe I'll do some sightseeing and stuff and instead yeah. I got like I, I met people and we um, like we immediately clicked um, and, and I always talk about it. It's that kind of thing, you know, in our in our lives. And you kind of touch on this a little bit, you know, in our day to day lives, in our in our civilian lives. Like we we like gaming is this weird thing that we don't talk about too much. Um, it's you know, it, it isn't as widely accessible necessarily to our office mates or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea that like 
we kind of hide that from our from the rest of the world around us um and then when we get into a situation like a kind of funny or an rtx where we can be kind of completely open about it and talk about whatever we want um to people who will understand and accept and, and recognize that even if like we don't like the same games they will still have that same kind of passion um yeah that was certainly like a a life-changing kind of experience um and yeah like i've, I've made some of my my dearest friends from that and subsequent shows um, but that being like the first one um and and the fact that like i'm gonna you know we're when we wrap up here um tonight i'm going on uh, irrational passions um doing i podcast. saw that uh, i hope alex has recovered from his from little his, adventures his last drunken, night with a bottle of wine and a stream. pizza yeah I'll, be, yeah I'll i'll be yelling at him to just poke at his hangover i'm sure but like i met him at that first kind of funny live and he's one of my best friends uh to this I day i have yet to we... meet alex and i very much want to but we keep missing each other but i very much like to meet him yeah uh, uh i'll see him in a few weeks at at uh at pax east now um i'm sure if everybody is if everybody makes it out to uh to kind of funny live three i'm sure you guys will meet and and hit it off there um but yeah it's 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 that kind of camaraderie that like instant camaraderie that is something that like was a void that i was missing because i was never an online gamer so i didn't even have that experience that that you'd had of um, at least kind of getting to know these people online and it's something that in the time since has become much more of the norm for me like i was never i was never an online community person before kind of funny i was never a forums Mm -hmm. kind of person or anything like that it was just like oh that's like i appreciate that there are those communities but that's i'm gaming is a solitary thing for me and now it is a thing where even if i'm not playing with other people i'm talking about it with other people um Mm -hmm. and it's uh it's a way more rewarding um way of of approaching the medium for me uh that that i was missing out on for a long time and it's and it is a weird thing to to like explain to people who don't get it who don't understand it like my mom's like like she always wanted me going out and spending time with friends and and like being more social when i was in high school and and would just kind Mm -hmm. of sit and play games for four hours and so now that i'm out going to these events to see friends that i've made online she's like i don't i don't get it like how is that being social i'm like i mean like i'm talking to these people daily even if it's not face to face like we're interacting every day i interact with these people more than i interact with my family um and these events that i go to it's a chance to get to see them in person and and have that like more prolonged um kind of uh, those conversations even like this show as i always touch on is is a chance for me to have these long extended conversations with people uh, and friends that i've made and so i have i've had people on the show that i've not actually met on in person um mm-hmm. uh, mario piaquadio mario not rose like he and i have never actually met yet but he came on the show and we talked for four hours um yeah you know having having never met face to face um uh so it's 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 an interesting like it's definitely an interesting dynamic that I, I don't think people can fully comprehend if they haven't experienced it themselves. Like, I just started a new job, and we're 30 people in the training class, and the first day it was like, say who you are, say where you're from, and say like what your passion is. And mine was like, oh, I'm a gamer. And the first thing someone said is, oh, you still play games? And I was like, oh, it's this room of people that I'm getting. I'm like... 
I didn't hit on it. There was a, not a single person in there that was like, oh, me too, or like talked to me after class, being like, oh, I'm also a gamer. It was literally, oh, you still game? Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, like, I do. <laughs> and the, the response is like, yeah, like, do you still watch movies? Do you still read books? Do you still watch television? Like, yes. Yeah. Like, that's a thing that happens. It does, like, it can't, you can stop. You can also not stop. Grow up. Get over it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, like you're what a were their passions? <laughs> oh, I like um, uh, I like playing badminton. That's a that's a thing I do. Oh, you still play badminton? <laughs> <laughs> Loser. <laughs> that's for yeah, kids. Like, that's so yeah. That's I don't I don't understand. I mean, it's a it's an old school mentality of of people who are going to come. I and say I, that I think it's silly. That's like me saying, "Oh, you still go fishing? Why don't you just go to the store and buy a fish?" It's like no, because you like doing this. It's fun. Like. I'm doing it for fun. I don't understand why my fun is different than your fun and why mine is associated with being a kid when there's so many games that are way too hard for a kid to play. That's because, it, like, in and, and Greg uh, Miller from Kind of Funny will touch on this a lot. You know, in it, those people are still thinking about Tetris or the original Super Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. They're the people that say, like, oh, everything is a Nintendo um, because they don't realize the growth that the medium has had over the last. 30 years um and they, or all games are world of warcraft They're like oh you, you play world of warcraft no yeah it's no they it's have, not me they have one idea or, i mean like and and i would venture a guess that most of those people play games on their phones they but they don't think of themselves as gamers like yeah there are things outside of candy crush but candy crush is still a game might not be a game i like but it's a game yeah. i can recognize and it's a game that you've probably played random person x words with friends that's a that's a game like don't it's fun don't judge the you play cards against going. humanity that's a game <laughs> yeah um excellent uh so we've got a couple of questions here from zyger uh at zyger 1337 uh first up what are your thoughts on trevor's hair long and curly or short which looks better i included some uh, some reference pictures in the document what what are your take? i did what's, what's your take on my hair uh See, it's tricky because having had long hair that was down to my bottom, I love long hair and I appreciate it. But I can also appreciate what I experienced at PAX, which is the frustration of this is annoying to have. And what looks better? Like, I love the long hair, but what is more practical and less like frustrating was probably shorter hair. But I don't know that you should ever go, like, super short because, like, the luscious locks are kind of your thing. Yeah, it's definitely and a... And I feel like you should never lose it. I, I kind of back myself into a corner where that's I made that, like, my look. So if I, if mm -hmm. yeah, if I if I chop it off, I will probably have to chop it off to, like, I don't know, like, here-ish or something. Like, still still keep yeah. it so it's curly. It's long enough to be curly. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely getting, like, it's getting nasty. <laughs> there's There's some, like tangles and stuff that are going on where i'm like oh, i hate i can't run my hair through my hands through my hair so well i used to dread having to wash my hair because i'm like well the washing is going to be 20 minutes and then the blow drying is going to be 30 minutes and just once i cut it all off like i just had like this little bun back here mm -hmm. having very minimal things to do with your hair life is hard enough where doing your hair is annoying yeah it's, that's yeah and it's I, just it's a thing that's there and it can very quickly go to a look where you just look messy even though it's just practical so I, I i like the long hair but i think a trim would be good just to manage it better and not feel so annoyed yeah 
That's like, I mean, now it's pretty much always in a ponytail at this point anyway, so, because it does get like crazy and unruly if it's, if it's, because uh, it's, it's about, probably about halfway down my, my back at this point. Yeah, it's long. It's getting, it's getting there. It's been, let's see, I last cut it, and I like, it was basically like almost a shave um, back in September of 2014. Yeah. About two and a half years ago uh, is how long it's been growing out. So wow. it's, it's getting there. It's getting big again. Um, yeah, it's the longest, longest I've ever grown it. I was probably like four years, I think, um, before I just wow. chopped it all off. And I always donate it to, to like Locks of Love or something like that when I, when I do that. And I've done that three times where I've like let it grow and then I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. Just get rid of it all. <laughs> no no <Here's> middle ground. <laughs> it's just all gone now. Nice. Um, Zyger continues and asks, what are some things in Austin that you haven't gotten to do but want to? Also, how's Austin? Um, well, things I haven't done yet is float the river which like that's definitely not a thing up in canada like there's lazy rivers at water parks I was gonna say, the they, fact that you there's can do, not like, there's not water it's just all ice that's uh... <laughs> yeah it's just always tundra but the fact that you can actually go somewhere with your friends with a tube and just float an actual river and they also rent out a tube that is a cooler that you can put all your beverages in yep. i want to do that so bad but last year, um, I moved here in March, and I didn't, we didn't, well, Dave and I didn't have any friends in Austin till like, mid to end summer, so just going the two of us is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this year, when we were hoping to get, like, Frank and Joe to go, Joe is scared of water, because he can't see the bottom, but I was like, it's a river, you can see the bottom, Loch Ness won't be there, I promise. And I'd love to get Christian there, too. And we want to go with GoPros and just have a fun time. Mm-hmm. So that is something I've always wanted to do and haven't gotten to do yet. Nice. So I would love to do that. Yeah, um, uh, we have in in, uh, in Arizona, we have the Salt River, uh, which is the same kind of thing. Um, but you can mm-hmm. only do it, like, at certain points because there's only enough water in there at certain points of the year. to. Yeah, to really... like, if the water gets too low, it rocks yeah. and you will die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that, and I, I don't know if Frank's ever done it, uh, if he ever did it while he was here. But yeah, that's it is very much like just a lazy. the The worst part of it here in in, uh, in Phoenix, and I imagine it would probably be the same in Austin, is uh, is that it's really easy to get sunburnt. So be sure yes, to like put and I'm tons very of pale. Lotion, yeah, suntan <laughs> lotion on, um, or you will get you will be very red by the end of your yes. couple hours. Yeah, but I've, and I've done that. I've only done that probably once or twice. But yeah, it was very much like a like hanging out with friends, and we just kind of tubed out in the river and nice lazy like drinking some beers kind of day yeah i just i want to do more stuff with the guys in austin a lot of what we do just because of conflicting schedules i work nine to five they work like 10 to nine so finding days we can hang out is hard and the one or two days a week we can we're always recording so like this summer i really want to find more time to actually hang out as people because it's hard when like, we get to South Austin at, like, 7.30, we record for two hours, and then we stop, and then we kind of have to go home, because it's, like, a 30-minute drive back to our place, we have to wake up at 5.30, and it, it just sucks. Like, I want to hang out with them more and just do things in Austin that I haven't done yet, because I didn't have, kind of, friends to do them with, and now I have friends, and that's, how is Austin? I'll answer that question. Austin is fantastic, and I've made friends that I hope I will have for a lifetime here, 
even though no one I've met is from Austin. We are all like little beautiful transplants except for Christian. And I just, I love the fact that it's like 80 degrees outside today. Not used to that in the great white north. No, they had a snowstorm yesterday. So that would definitely be a part that I love about Austin. The people are great. The weather is beautiful. The food is fantastic. The jobs here are so much better. And I'm just in love with this city and how kind everybody is. It might be the least Texas part of Texas, but never in my life in Montreal, 24 years there, did someone ever just say hi and how are you who wasn't being paid to do it as like a service employee like people are just genuine here and it's i've i I love it here everyone is so nice and it's unreal to me nice yeah it's i i have very limited experience with austin but i had a good enough time at at uh at rtx last year so i would i would echo that um yeah very very i mean it, it it has like that kind of um that persona of yeah being the least texas texas um Mm -hmm. uh because it is like more of a like liberal bastion in the in the very red state um very liberal yeah um it's and it it like in my time there it was very reminiscent of like um tempe which is right down the street from me it's it's basically our our college town for asu um and like going down sixth street i think in austin it's very much yeah. like going down Mill Avenue here in in uh, in, Temp- or in Tempe, Phoenix area, um, where it's like, oh, this is yep, this is just where like everybody goes to the bars and and the streets close down basically for for um, car traffic and it's basically just all pedestrians and there are cops on horses kind of wandering up and down the street making sure people are yep. s- safe and having a good time. Um, <coughs> very cool. Uh, last question from Zyger. Uh, what were some of your favorite childhood memories, things that make you who you are today, and your favorite toy? My favorite toy was, I think it's Megablocks, Dragon Lego. I might have to send you a link for that, because okay. they're still on eBay. But it was the coolest dragon toy I've ever seen, and I have an obsession with dragons. They've never made a cooler Lego, in my opinion. I should say Mega Blocks because I can't really use the word Lego. I was, I was gonna say it's, it can't be Mega Blocks and Lego. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was the coolest Mega Blocks ever, and no one's ever made a dragon even close to that. They made a movie with the dragons, and I lost my mind <laughs> because it, it was just like everything I'd imagined in my childhood playing with these were now in a movie, and I think those. My favorite toy ever. I still have the whole set up in Montreal. I just need to fly it down here. And I would rebuild that over and over again. I played with it every day for years. And favorite childhood memory that made me who I am today. It's interesting because it's a lot of the negative things. A lot of negative memories made me who I am. But a good memory who made me who I am. I think... It was, it comes from a sad memory when my parents split up and my mom went back to school and my my grandparents um, just took me in and they raised me basically like Monday through Saturday and I would see my mom on Sundays and then I would see my dad um, every two weekends. And I just, I didn't know where I fit in, like even as a kid and I always felt like I had to try to like fit into a certain group 
And my nanny, my sweet little nanny, who's my grandmother, not like a maid or anything, just called her my nanny, it's like a French thing. Um, she just told me that people will love you and don't ever try to be anybody else. And that's always resonated with me. She said it in French. But it was, she was basically telling me, like, don't ever try and change who you are. Because even as a kid, I was trying to be one of the cool kids or be one of the sporty kids. And she one day just told me, like, be who you are and the right people will love you and the wrong people will go away. And that's kind of, like, stuck with me forever where I've stopped trying to, like, you know, shove a square into a circle and make myself who I think other people want me to be. And now I just sort of live my life throwing the weirdest part of me out there the first time I meet someone so I know day one if they'll like me or in day one if I want to keep that person around. Um, I don't put on a facade. I won't ever be who I think fits that situation. I can use a filter provided like swearing needs to be out of here. I just put all of me at the front of every interaction so that way if the person doesn't like that then I don't need to pretend anymore and that's that's pretty much how I live my life now is just be who I am and whoever likes it'll stay and whoever doesn't I don't need that person around kind of thing nice that definitely definitely seems to have uh, shaped you in a in a good sense yeah um trying to think of mine like mine's very much less like deep but when I think of like childhood memories um that have like made me who I am today Mm -hmm. I think of the weekend sleepovers I would have at friends' houses where we would just basically spend the whole weekend playing games. Um, That's sweet. Uh, like, I had my, my best friend growing up, he was a year ahead of me. Uh, his name's Vinny. Um, and he, like, we were friends because our moms worked together. But then, like, that that stopped when I was, like, two or three. But, like, we were friends and we stayed friends because they stayed friends. Um, but okay. he lived... He lived probably like 15, 20 minutes away from me. And when you're, you know, 13 or whatever, like up until up until you're basically driving on your own, that seems like an eternity. Um, And so it was like we would only really see each other. It would be I would go to his house for a weekend and we would just like sleep over and play video games or he would come over to our house and and uh, we would hang out. Um, And so like those I have like fond memories of just gaming with him. Um, But then like in high school, when we both got kind of like we we fell we fell out of touch in high school and and i haven't talked to him in probably 10 12 years at this point um outside of like occasionally seeing him on facebook but uh but that kind of carried over into my friendships with my other friends in high school where even then it would still be like we would go and hang out and have like a sleepover where we would just stay up all night playing wrestling or smash or goldeneye or something like that um all together um so those are probably like the childhood memories that stand out in terms of like cementing gaming as part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's also a huge part of who you are. Yeah, is gaming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and then favorite toy? Eh, I don't know. Um, like o- outside of like gaming consoles and stuff. Yeah. Um, I try, like I would. I mean, probably, probably Legos. I, I, um, back before, like, Lego went super in on, like, the movie branding and stuff, um, I remember I would create Lego sets and, like, dioramas and stuff, um, that 
I would then like tell these crazy elaborate stories. Uh, it, it, it to the to the extent that I would and like I would like fold in army men and stuff. And I I sent a uh, like a one page script pitch basically to Lego. I remember <laughs> that's awesome. When I, was, when I was like eight or nine or something like that. Basically saying like, here's a movie I think you should make. It's Legos versus army men. And uh, and and basically it was like. Um, I, I jokingly like thought back on that when the Lego movie came out, and now Lego Batman has just opened this weekend uh, as we're recording, and uh, and I'm like I think because they sent me a, a very kind form letter of like thank you for your idea. We have a team of people working like you know dedicated on on coming up with ideas for for the Lego brand. Um, keep enjoying Legos. Uh, like we're we're not going to make your your movie. We can't like take unsolicited work kind of stuff like formal legalese just stuff. crushing but, dreams but they, Lego. I mean, they, but they did it in a very like i did all i care was the fact that they read my idea that was cool to me that's true and um, they wrote back yeah they wrote back exactly it was like i it was like yeah it sucks that they're not gonna make it but i like i mean like eight or nine year old trevor understood it uh understood like why they weren't gonna make it or whatever but it was uh uh and that they have you know their own people and and i have only grown to understand it further um and that's basically like somebody reads that, but it never gets to anybody creative wise because they don't mm-hmm. ever want to be accused of like stealing this kid's idea for a movie. And now we got to pay um, this kid. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know the the parents are going to come back and say, "Oh, you like that was my kid's idea. You owe us, you know, um, you owe us a, a cut of the money." Like that, I get why they can't do any of that kind of stuff. But you know, you don't yeah. know that as a as a kid. Um, uh, but yeah, like it, I definitely like told my own stories with with those toys um and and they certainly helped facilitate the the ability to do so um so yeah i, I would say probably legos and that's why i've been all too happy to get back into legos with lego dimensions and stuff nice um you threw this out to uh to to facebook to the kind of funny facebook group as well so we've got a couple of questions from there that we'll go ahead and uh and kind of weigh on weigh in on before uh before we wrap up um Trent Fuller asked, what have you learned about yourself through the games you've played? I think we had some, oh, some epiphanies during The Sims. Uh, let, I think I'm going to use that. Yeah. Uh, um, so for anybody who's just catching this topic and, didn't, and missed out on The Sims topic, go ahead and give the quick rundown of what kind of a crazy person you are. Uh, basically, we learned in The Sims, I like to kill all of the children and all of the humans and make them aliens. Um, I also am very generous. I give everyone a unicorn. Yeah. But and I also like to get women pregnant in an abundance, murder the women, keep the children, and be a father to an entire town. Yep. So that's the gist of it, I think. Basically, Chelsea will be leading a cult in the next five years. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> if if that could happen, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, but you know what's so weird? In all other games, I always do the pacifist of of everything it's like oh do you want to be the good guy or the bad guy i'm like the good guy the good guy always i'm such a nice person kill all the babies <laughs> yep yep it's basically where that goes awesome uh wes wesley bray uh asks how is david's beard so incredible not really a question for you but i'm asking it anyway he asked it how is david's beard so incredible i mean it's like fueled by the souls of his enemies pretty much after he kills them yeah because david's big into killing people too i mean that'll do it yeah or the simple answer um beard oil beard balm beard conditioner uh beard moisturizer and i trim it 
It's not at all a low-maintenance affair. There's a lot that goes into that that face. That seems like way more than I'm interested in doing. That's why I just usually shave this whole thing off after (laughs) It's a little more than what I put into my hair. So it's a a process, but it's his thing, and we take care of it, and we we love it. Yeah. Uh, Wes also asks, uh, who in your life has been the biggest influence on you, on who you've become, um, excluding family? On who I've become excluding family? My math teacher in high school named Mr. Boyd, who said I was an idiot and would amount to nothing. Um, he, that was in the 11th grade. And I thought, man, this guy's a crusty old prick. So I'm going to prove him wrong. And uh, I did. He said I'd never pass math because I had a hard time in math all through high school. And in the 11th grade, he, I'd, have him, I'd had him for the same teacher for the whole time. Uh, I studied like every single day from the first day of class till the last day and I got a 97 in math that year and that kind of inspired me like the second someone tells me I can't do something I'm I'm going to do it and that's carried on through jobs I started a sales job two years ago and they told me listen it's it's sales plus commission or um, it's a base salary plus commission in the first year, you'll never sell $100,000 in a month. That's the goal for year two, but you'll never do it in the first year. And I left after a year and a half of working there to move to Texas. And by month t- four, I was averaging about two hundred dollars to $300,000 in sales a month. So that has driven me to exceed expectations and kick them in the face. It wasn't a, a nice person, I guess, who, who shaped me into the competitive person I am today. But that kind of made me like try harder in competitive gaming, try harder in my work life, tr- just try harder in all aspects of life is one person telling me I couldn't do it. And me just wanting to throw it back in their face the rest of my life saying I could do it and I did it and I doubled what you expected. So, ha ha, Mr. Boyd. He looked like Captain Crunch, if Captain Crunch was evil. (laughs) Nice. Um, uh, If I, I mean, I want to go, like, scholastic route. Mine is probably uh, at a teacher, uh, Miss Tutnik, uh, in uh, in high school. uh, She's the choir teacher at Saguaro, um, who was, like, incredibly supportive of, of, like, all of her students and uh, and, uh, just a, like, good great piece of like like go out and do what you want to do do what makes you happy um and she just full of support i like her uh, and and got me kind of in the like uh i did i started doing theater because she uh put me in the musical admittedly she put like anybody any guy who was interested in singing in the musical um but uh but yeah i did uh through through a couple years of choir with her she let me uh, she gave me the first ever opportunity I had to really host a thing. I did um, every every other year we would do this talent show kind of thing uh, at Saguaro called um, Sing Through the Century or Century of Song. And it would be like uh, all of the choirs uh, kind of getting together and doing uh, like audition pieces or doing, doing showcases. And it would just be like, we're going to sing a few songs from each decade for the last hundred years. Um, and so some of them are going to be like full choir things where like the men's choir is going to sing, um, a doo-wop song from the sixties. 
women's choir is going to sing something from the 40s. Three people are going to sing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy from the 40s. Um, uh, and then you get into, like, um, just smaller groups. You know, if, if some of the choir people did bands and stuff, they would come out and do, like, so one of, uh, like one of the bands that they did sang um, Buddy Ho- some Buddy Holly uh, or, like, Weezer and stuff like that. Um, but she gave me the opportunity to MC the event, so I hosted the whole thing as well as performing in a few of the numbers and stuff. And I got to come up with like introductions for every song. And it was me and and my friend Nicole That's awesome. um, that hosted it and came out like introduced everything. And I basically wrote like all of the copy for that for the introduction. So even if Nicole was like delivering the introduction and I was like in the song or something, like it was still like my work that that was getting uh introduced and so yeah she gave me she gave me opportunities awesome. like that that were really cool in a more contemporary sense um i look at somebody like greg miller who has been like i has been in, an incredible beacon of support for me um uh in in industry and out of it um giving me um opportunities like mentioning me on shows and to people in like in his circles um and just like i ever since meeting him uh the first playstation experience um i basically tried to model like how i interact with people um kind of in the same way that he is he's constantly supportive positive he meets you and wants to make sure you're having a good time so when i go to an event like kind of funny or or a pax or something and and if i'm fortunate enough that people know me or or interested in talking to me i immediately try and reciprocate and say well like what are you enjoying about the show are you having a good time what's what's working for you um and do mm-hmm. and, and i basically have, like picked that up from him so that's uh like, my, my modern biggest more in that sense yeah because to say like who's made me who i am today i'll reword that into like who inspires me and kind of like pushes me to do better um we're two people from epic mealtime uh, one of them is Harley Plays. He is also from Montreal. He's from my town. He was a substitute teacher, going to be a full-time teacher. He's one of the most genuine people I've ever known. And he just had a funny idea while on some drugs with a couple friends. And now he's made basically an empire with a bunch of his friends. They all work out of the house that he lives in in uh, Dollar des Armeaux, DDO, it's near Montreal, big Jewish community. And it's just inspired me of another kind of person who just made something out of nothing in a spare room. It was just a kitchen. And that they, they still do it years later. And he inspires me. He has a lot of really um, interesting takes on YouTube. He's always trying to be one step ahead of the game. He's done different things on the Food Network. He still helps kids. He still, um, I don't, he doesn't sub anymore. He did for a bit. And he just really inspires me because he, he's always trying to one-up himself. And he's not just coasting off the money that they've made. He's just chasing the next big thing. He's learning the ins and outs of YouTube, which is, I've learned a lot from him uh, because of that. And outside of YouTube just has helped inspire me to do better. Um, it's Amir Walik or Prince Atari or Prince Walik. Um, he is the person who writes like all the recipes for uh, Epic Mealtime. 
he started doing a diet and he lost a lot of weight really quickly. And when I moved to Texas, I was um, like 302 pounds. It was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I messaged him one day um, on Instagram just asking what he'd done to like lose all this weight so fast. Was it cocaine? Was it like a crazy new drug? How did you do that? And he said, you know, one day when you have like an hour, just message me and we'll talk and I'll give you advice. Just, you know, I want you to reach out to me when you're ready. And I putzed around for like a month and I never messaged him back because I couldn't believe he answered. And one, it was in November of 2016, he messaged me and he's like, listen, like you didn't message me. Like, do you want to get started and like change your life? And I said, absolutely. So he sat with me for an hour and we talked and he walked me through what is the keto diet, which I'm still on. It's more of a lifestyle, not so much like a diet that you would stop. And he sort of walked me through what to eat and how it will change my body and this whole big long spiel that everyone's tired of hearing, but I'm still very proud of it. And like as of yesterday, since then I've lost 60 pounds and that's 60 pounds since November. So that's like pretty huge. And he checks in with me every week to make sure I'm still following my goals and to make sure that I'm hitting my goals and creating new goals and testing myself and that I'm actually like working out. And he's become like a free trainer, but more of like a motivation for me. And he doesn't check on me being like, listen, you know, you better do it. It's, hey, I just want to make sure like, you know, you're not getting down on yourself if you had a bad week. Like, I had a bad week too, and this is what you can do differently, and I'm here for you, and it's helped David too. David's lost 50 pounds as well, and it's that has changed my life from being a fat kid for 12 years to now just like a chubby kid. And that, that being fat held me back from a lot of things because I just wouldn't go out or interact with people because I was nervous what people would think, so... That, uh, that's changed my life a lot in that I'm much more outgoing than I've ever been. Nice. Because I'm not afraid of people anymore. Excellent. So, yeah. thanks. No, we'll great. That's, throw that's... in that to how that's changed my life recently. Great, great influence. Congratulations on, on the 60 pounds, absolutely. Thank you. Um, we had one, uh, I don't have them in the document, but we had one last uh, late, late coming uh, uh, question here from... Uh, from Aaron. Uh, I have one from Cameron Abbott. I'm not in. Oh, the, really? I have one from Erin too. Oh, you, oh, did oh, did she just use trope topics, or or is she on the Facebook? Uh, she post? went on the Facebook group. Uh, okay. Just the weirdest thing about Texas. She she uh, asked. Uh, what's the What's the weird thing about Texas? What's her question? Her question: What's the weirdest thing to you about Texas? Oh, we'll go ahead and hit that one. We'll come back to Cam's next. It's tough because I don't know if it's different from other states. I just know it's different from Montreal. But it, the whole thing is just like how nice everybody is. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to move to the state of people have guns and want to secede. And it ended up being everyone's really nice, appreciates art, appreciates gaming, appreciates comedy. There's like a comedy club near our place where for $10 you get um, two margaritas, a bag of popcorn, a whole bunch of free candy, and you get to watch an hour of stand-up where it's the coolest stand-up I've ever seen. Um, They basically... They'll make a movie, like the one that we saw was, um, it was like G.I. Jane or whatever. And they said, okay, anyone in the audience give us a name of a movie. Someone said G.I. Jane. And it's four people and they just, they make a new G.I. Jane on the spot changing the genre. So it ended up being sci-fi. So they just reinterpret 
live in front of you. G.I. Jane as a sci-fi movie. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's the Cold Town Theater. I highly recommend to anyone if you go to Texas. It's on Friday nights. Most fun I've ever had watching like stand-up comedy because it's always two stand-up bits at the beginning and then they make a movie. It, it, hilarious. Hilarious it, reimagining of movies. Is it stand-up? Because that's, cause that's improv right there. Is Do they do? Yeah, are there, are there stand-up two bits before stand-up bits for an intro and then it's improv after. Okay. It's with um, Mac Blake, so he's a, he's a comedian here in Austin, and his improv just ruins my life. It's so good. Nice. He's Excellent. fantastic. He he's um, if you have like, what is it? It's the free. It's, it's like ten dollars a month for Apple Music. He has a bit of his stand up on there for free, and it's it's really funny. It's a lot of like Austin stuff. He's got a bit about Whataburger, and he's, he's very very funny man. I recommend checking him out. Very cool. Um, well, then Cameron's question is, uh, and you've touched on this a little bit with uh, with David, but uh, how was it to maintain a strong connection with your hubby long distance? Did games help? Games absolutely helped. As I mentioned, it was just a way to hang out without just staring at each other for hours. Um, Skype helped. A lot of people think it's weird that we did this, and they say it's too much, but if we were both home, we just had Skype on all the time. We weren't sitting on the couch and staring at each other. He could be cooking, I could be doing laundry, I would be doing work or reading or playing a game, but just having it on all the time got us used to being around each other. Because essentially, we never lived together until I moved here, got married, and I live here now. Like, there was never a trial period. So that was like kind of the best way I found to do it was if it's on all the time, we start noticing all the different little mannerisms. You you get used to having someone in your face all the time before actually living with them. And I I recommend that to people of just being used to having someone around because for long distance, it's easy to think it's all perfect when you're together for three days and you're doing fun activities and you're catching up and you're having all the crazy sex that you want to have because you haven't seen each other in forever. But then eventually you live together and you're like, oh, it's like we don't go out for every meal now and we don't just go to these fun events. Like now we just live together like two normal people. So I tried to, I guess, like simulate that as best as I could from the get-go. And communication was key. So that was like a big thing that I always tried to make it feel like we already lived together before we did. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you for, uh, for joining me this week, Chelsea. Um, Thank you for having me. It's been it has been an absolute absolute pleasure. Uh, it's always a always a joy getting to kind of hang out, catch up with you. Um, uh, go ahead and uh, give any final plugs on anything you want to do, just as a as the closeout, and then we'll we'll wrap up the show. Just hit me up on Chell Sandwich on Twitter. Um, I like to be friends with everybody, so if you like what you saw here today, that's me twenty four seven. So sign up for that, and you'll be along for the weird ride that is me i'm weird hi excellent uh you can follow me at snarky starky you can follow the show at uh trove talk uh you can find out what i've been writing about uh recently on trevortrove.com uh this last week i did a whole bunch of uh, reviews put up a bu- put up a bunch of reviews one one a day on uh, on some games i've been playing so far this year um and uh yeah i think i think that's it for the 
the wrap up. Uh, uh, I, I got my official media badge for PAX East, so I'll be doing. I will officially Exciting. be there. I was already going to be there. I had I had a pass, um, in general, um, but uh, now I can give that off to somebody else and go as media again. So this will be the, this will wrap up my. Uh, this will be the the last of the PAXs, the North American PAXs that I have not been to as media. So yay, PAX East. Woo. Um, uh, looking forward to that. A month from today, I think, uh, basically, is when I'll be heading out there um, as we record this. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the show. Thanks for joining in. Um, uh, follow the show, like, subscribe. I always forget to do that part, the like, subscribe on YouTube, all that, all that jazz. Um, do that. It's good. It's fun. Helps my numbers. I don't know what helping my numbers does, except that I might eventually be able to actually just schedule these videos instead of have to post them live manually. Um, I look forward to that day, so subscribe and help those numbers come up to help me out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, until next time, from here at the Trove, treasure your friends.